podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tell us about the tattoos. Shut the fuck up, you little prick. But then I've got the phoenix. Hey, prick. I'll take it from Bob every day of the week. Absolute disgrace. I sure this- no one will mind. Move him out of here, Darren. Ricky Hatton didn't go over for his fighter because he risked getting abducted and sold into sexual. I never said that. <laughs> <laughs> Both have been rape victims. I'm not watching Frank Buglioni live on Saturday night. <laughs> you your mind. Jesus Christ, get yourself a life. He's actually a uh, priest. Yeah, yeah. It's because his brother John Fury eye gouged him. What have I told you all this time? He's going to end up sucked out, fucked out, looking for a handout. Boxing, um, nutters, messenger group. Oh, they're going to, oh, I'm going to be the king. Jay Bump, you know what I'm saying? Well, hello everybody and welcome to the 475th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. I'm your host, Steve Wellings, and joining us on the call, we have Andy Patterson and Matty DiGelanardo going live on YouTube from 8 o'clock every Sunday evening. The Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes. And hello to everybody listening throughout the week on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to leave a review on the podcast player of your choice throughout the entire month of May. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Spoilt for choice this weekend, especially as someone else jumps on the court with Donnie Baseball. Good evening to him. We shall start though, Andy. Over in Glendale, Arizona. I bet it was nice and hot there. Hot in the ring anyway. David Benavidez beating the shit out of David Lemieux. It was also predictable Lemieux was going to be too small. Benavidez was going to hit too hard, too regularly, too often, too fast for this uh, guy who's effectively a middleweight. He got the job done at least. That's what we like to see, isn't it? Whenever someone's overmatched, even as Lemieux is now and oversized, at least if the A side gets the job done, doesn't waste anybody's time, doesn't mess about and gets them out of there, that's all we can ask for. Yeah, I forget the fight from last week, mate, to to say the same thing. Um, There was... An A side that's beating the shout at someone. That's exactly what happened there last night. Um, Lemieux is Lemieux. I, I remember people giving Lemieux so much shit that they, they wouldn't even give Triple G the credit for beating them up. Um, that's exactly what happened there with Benavides last night. Just absolutely beat the shit out of Lemieux. Turned to stone actually off that, that left hook late in the first round. Literally, he was, he was gone at that point. I, I, I'm convinced if that round had another 30 seconds, he wouldn't have made it out of there. Um, I thought maybe the, his corner actually, who was quite experienced Lemieux's corner actually. Mm-hmm. I forget the guy's name um, at this point. But um, Mark Ramsey in the corner. Max Ramsey, that's it. Mark Ramsey. I think he's maybe training at Oberterbe. If he's got as well. He did at um, one point. I'm pretty sure. Aye. This is so basically he's one of the top trainers in Canada. I thought really could assist him. Listen, take take the second uh, round two off. Track shoes on. Run. Grab. Hold. What does he do? He just stands there in the pocket. Gets teed off on. 
obviously, you know, you Lemieux, sorry, uh, Benavides with the big long arms, jab, right hand, whipping in the hooks. And we've seen Lemieux hurt, you know, even as a middleweight, we've seen him hurt badly. Um, and then obviously pulled out round three. I, th- I thought really they could have pulled him out at the end of round two, actually. Um, bit of brave corner, I thought, sending him back out for round three. He was uh, hiding to nothing by that point, getting the absolute shit be- beating out of him. And there was just really no need for it to kind of go on and take even more punishment, even at this, this stage in his career, what is he, 34, 35? Um, so, yeah, look, I'll also say as uh, Charlo, um, I'd like to see Charlo against Benavides, ho- hopefully, but um, I'm not hopeful. But other than that said, mate, I can't really kind of add too much more on that fight. I just thought it was a, a guy who's basically treaded water all this time. Benavides is a good fighter. I, I'm, not, I'm not going to deny that. But the thing is, we're not going to see him active. We're not going to see him back in the ring within the next three to four months, possibly. He's picked up his belt again. He's probably wanting to kind of keep in the Canelo sweepstakes, possibly. Um, unless BBC maybe got something lined up for him uh, in terms of, you know, biggish fights. But that said, um, he did what he did last night. Beat what was in front of him. And as a guy who's supposed to be the A-side, that's expect- that's exactly what you want. You didn't want the fight getting dragged out, you know, 10, 12 rounds. And I will say, Benavides looked absolutely fantastic on the scales, actually. We've seen him looking like death, you know, dark eyes, sunken in, you know, especially rubbing the cheeks. And when I read the, like, the weight, was it 166? I thought he maybe, maybe cooked it a wee bit too much, maybe just trying to make sure mm-hmm. he made it. But other than that, he looked pretty pretty decent on the scales, I thought. Didn't look grey, looked quite healthy. So maybe he's changed up his, his, uh, his lifestyle a wee bit and maybe got some people in to help him try, uh, try and make weight. But um, the way you want to look at it as well, the belt that he, that he got there last night, bullshit, absolute bullshit belt. Um, it's purely been created because Canelo's went up to 175, I think, isn't it? So um, at this point, at least, with that said, until you know Benavides steps up against an elite fighter, at least, um, we're still going to have a few unanswered questions about is he just a, a you know a weight bully? He's using his size, so look. The, the Khalid Plant fight, I think, goes something similar to what happened there last night. Um, and there's a bit of beef there, so it could get a bit nasty, even even that fight. So, um, until we see him properly tested against an elite fighter, um, for me at least, Benavidez is still... How can I put it? We're treading water, but you know what I'm saying? It's um, mm. it's, it's still a kind of wait, wait to be seen, shall we say. There's a lot of parallels between him and Zerto. You, that, yeah, that's probably the way to say that, it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure he's quite strayed into Zerdo territory just yet, but he, he was heading that way at one point. I think he wanted to become an undefeated 14-time WBC champion, never defeated in the ring. Hopefully he'll stay off the coke and stay healthy and keep his weight down. Emlith go 1983. He could be on the coke, who knows? He says Lemieux is shot to pieces, but had the heart of a lion last night. Ariane Yuda has an interesting perspective on the fight. He says Leeds have stayed up. Ebony Bridges must be well chuffed. I just wish she was near me here. Maybe she would depart those legs for her, for me with her happiness. So thank you for throwing in that one there, Ariane Yuda. I, uh, I think you're searching for the Ebony Bridges uh, fans <laughs> Facebook group, uh, buddy. But uh, you know, uh, thanks for participating. What's, what's the only fans? What's the only fans page? Lonely fans, I think he should be signing <laughs> up for. <laughs> Mister Yuda, are you with friends? Are you with friends? No doubt, uh, Matty. Yeah, it became pretty obvious early on that David Lemieux he was going to struggle badly with the size of Benavides. He came out firing. He clearly had some fight in him, but he was small. He looked flabby around the middle. Once Benavides measured him up, landed that big left hand, it was curtains. And I think Harvey Dock actually slid in to stop it and then swiftly transitioned into the end of the round as the bell went. I think Andy said another 30 seconds, maybe another three or four seconds and it would have been over. 
Oh yeah, and it's uh, I, I initially thought he broke it because uh, he was kind of leaning over Lemieux a little bit, and he was breaking it because of that. But apparently not. He actually uh, sent a note to the announcers afterwards that says, "I was stepping in to stop it, but then the bell rang, and I figured let it go." I'm like, yeah, hey, I see where you're coming from. Um, that uh, there's a lot to talk about about the refs from this week, Steve. But we'll get into more of that later. Um, I, Benavides looked good. He threw everything: uh, uh, jabs, rights, uh, uppercuts, hooks. Um, just gave Lemieux hell with every bit of it. The the physical dimensions of the two, very similar to the uh, differences between Canelo and Beevil. Um, so it was uh, just uh, outsized, outgunned, um, outpunched. Lemieux, Lemieux definitely has balls. I, I think his lineage probably stems from somebody who participated in the French Foreign Legion. But, uh, you know, uh, onwards and upwards for uh, Benavidez, and um, hopefully he gets himself a meaningful fight. As he said, uh, these bitches won't sign to fight me. Um, so, uh, come on, bitches, sign to fight him. Yeah, well, I like that, Donny. the bitch talk from Benavidez. Just, let's get straight, let's get direct, no more messing around now. Call out these people by name, call them bitches, he's the Mexican monster, as Mike Tyson calls him. Are you impressed by Benavidez, Donny? Indeed, did you see the Showtime card from the weekend? Yeah, yeah, that's actually the only card I saw this weekend. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, Benavidez looked good, but, I mean, it was obviously it was against a, you know, a guy who was significantly smaller, who had come up from middleweight, where he had fought for many years. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the results were predictable, uh, I, I think. But, um, you know, I mean, he, to me, actually, though, I thought he got hit quite a bit. Um, like, you know, Lemieux, you know, he was having his say in those exchanges. And, and I understand why the fight was stopped. But, I mean, he was hitting him with huge body shots. And we know how hard that Lemieux can punch. Um and uh, I actually was surprised to see it had no effect on him, or at least it seemed to. It might have if the fight had gone longer. But, um, but I mean, you know, it, against somebody uh, his own size, I mean, I, I think that his, his defense honestly, le- uh, you know, leaves some, some question marks in my mind because Lemieux was able to just tee off on his body. Um, but the fight just didn't really go long enough for those shots to really pay dividends because, you know, he stopped him. But Did he not respect the power and the size of Lemieux, Donny? Well, I guess he didn't need to, did he? But, uh, you know, the result proves that. But but I, I think it may be a, a harbinger of, of things to come uh, for him when he is in there with somebody, uh, you know, who's who's properly sized and, you know, who isn't uh, uh, in the twilight of their career. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I think he's a good fighter, but but I think he I think he's really there to be hit. Um, that's what I took out of it. I mean, and, you know, in terms of people not wanting to fight him, I mean, He's, it seems like he had a packed arena there last night. Um, it seems like he's got a really good following, um, you know, d- d- down in the, the southwest there. I mean, I would just, uh, you know, I, I'm actually surprised that more guys don't want to fight him um, because to me, I, I, I don't know, I just, he didn't, he didn't look so defensively, you know, responsible uh, in his performance last night. And maybe that's because he didn't need to be because he just, he just didn't fear uh, he, he took. He felt what Lemieux was offering, and it, it didn't. It didn't phase him. Uh, and maybe he might fight differently against another opponent. But um, you know, to me, I saw a guy that could be hit. No, he does tend to fight like that, Donny. I've seen him before. He loves a scrap. He seems to love getting hit. And I don't think that the fact that the big fights involving him haven't happened are necessarily just down to the other people 
in and around the weights, but the fact that he's at least calling them out directly means we might see them there. But we've seen him against Durrell. I think it was Ronald Ellis as well. They all landed on him. He doesn't respect their power at all. Ronald Graville dropped him, I think, Ricky Graville, whenever he didn't respect his power. But whenever he fights against someone who can hit harder and get closer to the target than the Mew on a regular basis, I think that might be his downfall, like you say, Donnie. But at the moment, he doesn't respect opponents. He just loves a scrap. Yeah, and, he, and, he's, a, and he's huge for the weight. And, and if he can fight that way, I mean... Fans will love it. They do love it. Um, so, you know, I guess he'll he'll continue to, uh, you know, on the path that he's on until until he can no longer continue on that. And uh, really, I think uh, I think if, if obviously if he was if, if he was fighting Canelo, he'd have to uh, change his game plan significantly because, you know, you can't fight that way against against elite competition. Yeah, well said. Uh, Matty, uh, regarding Benavidez's style, stylistically, indulge me on this one. I'm not afraid to look stupid. I'll throw it out there anyway. It reminds me a little bit of, of Tyson Fury, actually. Languid stance, high shoulders, flicking the head. And I think more or less this was a highlight reel opportunity, a final highlight reel KO opportunity for him before they push him into those big fights. Get one here, make him look impressive. He's thrown all those shots the way he did against Porky Medina all those fights ago. And I think a bigger fight will come next. And this final one now, look how hard he hits. No more messing around with him now with that Tyson Fury style. What do you think? I don't know about that. I, I don't think he uh, necessarily uses the jab the way that Tyson is able to, and he definitely tends to square up quite a bit when he gets uh, folks alongside the ropes. Um, but it's it's he definitely uses his size similarly to the way that Fury used it in the second Wilder fight. Um, hopefully they're going to give him a push after this. Hopefully they get a fight. I do think Plant is an exceptional fight for him. Um, I, I think, uh, again, that the uppercut is going to be uh, Caleb Plant's foil um, in that one as well. But it should be a decent fight while it lasts. Um, Benavides against the blackest man in boxing, uh, decent enough. Um, I, I think the question is going to be, um, can, they, uh, can they lure Canelo over there um, after, his, uh, next, after the next two fights he has with the zone are uh, completed? Um, cause that would be a big fight. Definitely one you do in Vegas, he'd get his people up from Arizona, you know, and Canelo pulls in what Canelo pulls. Um, and I, I think that's definitely a, a fun fight for the fans. Uh, it'd be a great fight on one of the Mexican holidays. Um, and, uh, and obviously, you know, uh, the, you know, Canelo has all the cards, but, um, I, I definitely think that Benavides is a willing dance partner on that one. And I don't think he'd be so foolish as to try to ask for something uh, too ridiculous as far as the purse goes on that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, where Benavides goes from here, um, seeing how much longer he can make 168. Because, again, like Zerto, they're, uh, they're basically cruiserweights that are boiling down, and it's, uh, it's, it's only a matter of time, you know. Yes, I just noticed, guys, that um, I actually forgot that Benavides is actually only 25, and he's been a pro since 2013. Mm-hmm. That's, that's almost, what was that, nine years? Um, yeah, I was just, uh, just something I just kind of noticed. I actually kind of thought he made me slightly older than that, considering how long, about he's, how, how long he's been about, you know? No, I remember him seeing him fight on one of the Frampton undercards, and he's only 18, 19 then. He's a big guy, big specimen, a specimen, quite pudgy as well. But we'll talk about his move up to 175, possibly, if he doesn't get the right dance partners at 168 shortly, if we can. A final comment on the main event, Andy, before we go on to the undercard then. I think as eye-catching and, and as scything as those uppercuts and headshots were, it was sneaky little body shots as well from Benavides. They were draining the energy out of Lemieux. 
he throws those combinations really nonchalantly, but he knows that he hits hard. And Lemieux, I mean, as we said, you can never accuse that guy of going out without a fight. The corner a little bit late for me, the same as you, Andy, because they did the right thing in the end. But Lemieux is going to end up with brain damage. I think he might need to yeah. think about uh, uh, hanging him up, you know. Yeah, the, the, the other thing with Benavides as well, mate, is he actually switches it up very, very fluently. You know, mm-hmm. as he says, uh, the, the check left hook, obviously, um, for the for to turn Lemieux into stone for that you know that brief second, he then stepped into him and then started it was a right hand left hook to the body and then started launching up you know, left uppercut. Right he has uppercut. an explosive turn of pace, doesn't he? He does. He does, and sometimes I think his hand speed can be quite deceptive. I said before actually that in previous fights, and again it might be done, done at the weight cut because I've seen him maybe throw shots. I think mm, he's fighting Canelo there. I could maybe have seen Canelo or you know somebody else with quicker hand speed could maybe got off quicker. But again, it maybe just as a bit more testament at this time as to why how he's made the weight, no depleting himself as, as I've said before. But as, as I said, he's got a, a good variety of shots. Likes to step in there, likes to hurt people, and again. Just he's, 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 he has got the talent. He just needs to, again. We mentioned it again last week. A couple of the fighters just need dance partners, and they just need a rival to bring it out of them. Um, as I say, that a bit about Khalid Plan. I I don't know what the beef is again with with A two, um, but at the end of the day, I still believe Plant's got nothing to offer him. I think Plant would basically dance that ring for as long as possible. Then Benavides, if he can cut the ring off, hurt him. I think uh, I think you could do it within like the middle half of the fight, to be honest with you. But I could see it being an absolute bludgeon and beatdown. Um, but again, great, great uh, hitter, good combination puncher. Um, but especially that left hook for me, at least. I, I know you mentioned the body shots, but I really, really do like his left hook, especially the one that kind of really hurt him. You start off the start off the violence. Yeah, talking of left hands, one person who wasn't afraid, afraid to throw left hands and pretty much nothing else, Yoelvis Gomez. We spoke about him last week, Matty. He doesn't fight like a typical Cuban. He comes out banging, throwing wild bombs. His feet are all over the place. He, there was not much of a jab on display, early on at least. And Jorge Cota, he isn't the most cohesive opponent either. You wonder how someone like Cota, with such poor skills, can get so far in boxing. I should be talking about Gomez here, but Cota, he's quite the specimen. Yeah, he, that was... Uh... A really odd uh, adventure with Coda there. Um, he uh, he normally uh, normally throws more punches than he does in that one, and it's a shame that he wasted his best punch of the fight on the referee. Um, I, I don't know if you remember that, Steve, but at the yeah, end of where's the third Meltzer? Round, he took, he yeah, took so my time well, man. He, he, uh, he, he right did. The round, eh? He did, and I, I thought that he did a, a pretty poor job as referee in that fight. I, I didn't take any notes as to why, but I remember that uh, I thought it was pretty ridiculous. Uh, it just wasn't very impressed. So, Do you uh, think so? That's interesting, Matty. I actually thought the opposite. I actually thought he did a pretty good job, but I mean, I'm happy to agree to disagree. Yeah, I, for some reason, I, I, don't, I don't think he did. I don't even remember why. Um, I scored at 98-92 to Gomez. Um, it, it's... Uh, Gomez, I, I see why you're really high on him, Steve, but I think there's something missing with him, and it's he his his need to feel like he always has to throw big punches. He leaves himself a little bit more open, um, and as they said in the telecast last night, I think a Coda from two and a half, three years ago gives him a totally different fight. Um, mm-hmm. I know he's only had six fights at this point in time, you know, but he has that extensive amateur pedigree. They're trying to move him up quick. I think... He's a good fighter, but I don't think he is the package. Can I just qualify something? I'm high on him to the point of I like his style. He's exciting. He can go the rounds. He's not afraid to throw bombs. The guy's an accident waiting to happen. Let me just clarify that, Matty. 
Yeah, I think so too, but it, it'll be fun while yeah. last, right? Um, that yeah. was at a catchway to 157, so I don't know if he's campaigning right. at uh, junior uh, middle or middleweight. Yes. Yes. He looks uh, huge. Pretty weird. Yeah. He, he is a They're going to try and boil him down to junior middle, you'd imagine, if he's coming in at 157. Well, that's what I was going to say, because I, when I was watching, I had to go and double check the, the weights, because they look like fucking super middle weights to me, uh-huh. obviously with the rehydration. They look massive. Yeah, they did. No, I'm, I like the look of him. He's a bit like David Morell, but not as refined and as polished but uh, and a bit wilder. But I'm looking forward to seeing how he progresses. Um, he's hooked up, Andy, with Ismael Salas now. So hopefully he'll be able to refine the technique a little bit. It was a wild brawl early on. Yeah. Matty re- mentioned the referee taking a shot as well. At least Gomez did show good stamina and a reasonable variety as the boat wore on. I thought to myself, is he going to be a Mike Jones or a Balanga and he's going to look like shit? And I think once he got his second wind, he actually showed a few decent skills. Yeah, the other thing as well is, I mean, obviously, it was his seventh pro fight and he's been, like, smashing his previous opponents in, like, yeah. one or two rounds. So that was probably the best thing to happen to him there last night was to get 10, 10 decent rounds. Um, you know, as I say, he's been blasting people out quick. You know, so he had the opportunity to get that gas tank tested. It moved pretty aggressively, I thought. So maybe, you know, beneficial possibility to kind of step up in, in levels against a more dangerous fighter. Cotter, I think, just came to survive, get his paycheck. Go was it ten rounds, twelve rounds? Forget what at this point. But um, look again, aggressive. He was looking for a knockout. He's pressing the, the pressure, possibly against a, a more polished opponent. He maybe got countered by a left hook or something, and then he, get, he gets sparked out. Another thing with the Cubans, you just don't know, you know, how many of them have actually got, you know, got the minerals. Shall we say, you know, once it gets a wee bit kind of heavy, do, do the bail. Um, it's been seen to happen with like Solis and Rigondo in the past, whereas you know maybe they didn't fancy training, you know, or you know take one too many hits and they just want to chuck it after after a bit, or like Rigondo maybe hurts his hand and pulls out the fight. So we need to see that. But in the day, I, I thought the best thing to happen to him there last night was to go those ten rounds. Um, as I say, he looks massive for the weight, and if he's going to drag him down to one fifty four, um, then he, he may be he may be some sort of force. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if he can actually maintain that at 154. You know, that, that output that he had there last night. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see that as well because, okay, it's only, what, uh, £3 difference, you know, coming down away from what he was fighting at there last night, but still £3. You just don't know how much he's having to drag himself to make those, to, you know, the, to shed those last £3. So it'll be interesting to see how he, how he goes. Donny, you were all over the Showtime action last night. What did you think of your Elvis Gomez? He's exciting, if nothing else. Yeah, and and actually, you know, I mean, normally the knock on some of these Cuban fighters is that they, uh, you know, will fight in the amateur style and very cautious, uh, you know, uh, and not take chances. Um, the obvious exception to that would be like Gamboa or something. But um, but I think maybe, you know, maybe he's coming out because he wants to make something exciting happen and make a name for himself. Uh, and, you know, maybe he won't fight that way necessarily against everybody else who knows you know when the when the competition steps up but um you know he went out there trying to trying to get a knockout and uh, and to please the crowd uh he didn't get it but uh but it was entertaining nonetheless um and uh yeah i mean um you know i, I think we'll just have to see him you know against some more mature uh competition uh to you know I think maybe more adequately uh, assess his skills, but he does look like a fun fighter uh, and I'd be happy to see him on any undercard uh, um, pretty much, you know, at any time, um, you know, uh, we've all seen a bunch of crappy undercard fights before and, you know, he's somebody I actually enjoy watching. 
Yeah, decent undercard overall from what we saw, the televised stuff, uh, including some good matchmaking again, competitive opening contest between Luis Nunes, The Twist, and Jonathan Fierro. Uh, Fierro was only 18 years of age, sporting an impressive throat tattoo. He'd knocked out 12 of his 13 victims, came out throwing for all 10 rounds. Full respect to him as well. The poor kid was in tears on the way out. He really did give his all, Matty. As for Nunes, I think he just had that extra bit of quality at the right times. The scores were 96-94 across the board. The judges struggled to agree on a bunch of the rounds. So it was a tight fight. But I think they got it right by a couple of points. But Fierro, unlike Jade, can definitely come again because he gave his all. And at only 18 years of age, I think he was really impressive too. Yeah, yeah. he. Uh, that's a great learning fight. Um, he needs to develop a few more tools. Um uh, throw him some more of those right hooks. They seem to do uh, some damage when he threw them. He just jumped in with that left hand too much, and eventually Nunez had it figured out and was able to uh, stand in, pick his spots, counter well. He landed the harder shots. Um, he'll be, it'll be interesting to see him moving forward. Um, somebody who can close the distance better and uh, apply uh, steadier pressure on him, I, I think could give him a very hard time. But... I um I don't know if uh, he'll for sure be beaten because he, he's a good counterpuncher. He's, he throws a solid shot. He takes a good shot, as you could see, too. And um, just an, uh, another one of those unexpected quality fights that has been bestowed upon us by the great uh, Uncle Al. So uh, praise be, Steve. Praise be. That's something I can definitely get on board with. My connection's struggling a little bit here. Let's see if we can... Hold it up. Can everybody hear me okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm, seems to be going yeah. down the bars, but we'll, we'll plod on regardless. Uh, Ariane Yuda has thrown in a comment here. He said, Benavidez is plodding footwork and near zero head movement seems very easy to hit. Not sure that strategy will work at 175. Speaking of 175, Andy, this will uh, segue us nicely into the Eddie offering on the zone O2 Arena last night between Joshua Barazzi and Craig Richards. A close, hard-fought, competitive contest. Contest. I thought Boatsy had the quicker hands, which meant he was beating Richards to the punch in a lot of the early exchanges. But Richards just kept on coming. And his shots, they were more looping, going round the houses to land. But that uppercut and the hooks, they started landing as the fight went on. And I was fairly impressed with the work rate and the stamina of both men. If we can say nothing else, it was a good, honest scrap. And finally, the scorecards matched the endeavour of both of them. You try to say that you didn't agree with Tony Bellew's scorecards last night, mate? We will get to that, no doubt, Andrew. <laughs> Yeah, obviously, I mean, I picked uh, Craig Richards last week uh, for, the, for the Prediction League, which obviously got wrong. I just because obviously I expected his experience to kind of maybe tell. And you're right, I mean, when Boatsy, I thought, was starting the first two rounds pretty quick. Maybe he seemed to try and maybe go for a knock. Maybe it was nervous energy, who knows. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, if he catches Richards with something, he, he could go because it looked like he was just putting everything into those shots. But Richards would always try and come back with some sort of response, some sort of answer, back on the jab right hand, I just, I kind of get the, the feeling that it was just a lack of t- true belief in himself to actually maybe just step in there a wee bit longer, hold his feet, and maybe just, you know, batter it out with Boatsy, because at times Boatsy was getting caught, and you know, again, zero head movement by Boatsy, and the same getting caught from time to time, I'm saying to myself, if it was a more kind of elite guy, there's no way he's standing in there for, uh, for, uh, for sorry, for too much longer. Uh, but actually needs to learn how to close the show. I think a wee bit, a wee bit better. Um, also, think he's maybe just maybe got slight stamina problems, fights in spurts, um, like he probably normally does. But um, all in all, it was a good domestic scrap. I'll leave it at that. But in terms of Boatsy moving up to world level, 
Um, I think there's there's a definite ceiling, and it's probably run about here just now. He should have been fighting the likes of Richards, you know, maybe 18 months ago, yes. domestic level opponents, without doubt. Then we would have known, really, how much he's still got to improve. Is he ready? That type of thing. Um, even I would say Yard at this point probably beats Boatze. I really, I really do believe that. Um, I think Yard's defence is probably slightly better than, than Boatze's as well. So we'll wait and see. If, again, politics is politics in the day. I just don't think we'll ever see that fight, to be honest with you. But um, as I say, it's good domestic scrap. You know, Richard's fair play to him. He played his part. Um, it was definitely close. He, he, he certainly tied it up a wee bit kind of closer as the fight went on, Richard's. But again, I just felt as if he had a wee bit more belief in himself to kind of let his hands go more, maybe just, just rough it out a wee, bit, a wee bit longer, maybe try and dog it on Boatze a wee bit. I think he could, have, he could have got the nod there last night. But hey-ho, that's just the way it goes, you know. Um, he, he done his best. Uh, Boatze, as I say, started quick, maybe faded down the stretch, as, as I mentioned. So maybe a question marks about his gas tank. Definitely, you know, needs to work on the, the defence a wee bit. And Eddie's talking about bringing Bivol to the UK. Eddie, good evening to you, sir. Listen to me right now. Boatze's got nothing for Bivol, right? You're desperate to try and get your UK subscribers for the zone fights to keep an interest. We didn't want to see Boatze against Bivol. It's a massacre, mate. So keep Boatze at domestic European level just now. Let the kid develop from there on in. Because, as I say, anywhere up at world level, at 175, he's on the hiding to nothing. If if they're looking to create a meaningful opponent for uh, Bivol, though, who who could say that they might have earned their shot, um, given they're uh, you know both on the zone, uh, why, why not go uh, if he wants to take the risk on it and uh, put in uh, uh, Gilberto Ramirez against Boazzi and let the winner uh, fight uh, Bivol? I think. I, I can't, uh, no, I can't, no, but the thing is, I can't see uh, Ramirez going for that because Eddie's going on about oh it's an eliminator, we might bring over Bivol for Boazzi. That's true, possibly. But Gilberto Ramirez is the mandatory. So Oscar and Ramirez aren't going to step aside and start having box-offs with Buatzi and all this, no matter what Eddie wants to do, or bringing in Bivol over. Ramirez is the mandatory, as far as I'm concerned, Matty, for the WBA. So he'll be fighting Bivol next, or they're going to have to do something to get him out of the way. You know, people have been saying this on Twitter as well, as much as Eddie's talking about it. It's, it's Ramirez's shot. Well, and it's also well, and Canelo, I think, is the one person who has the say more than anyone, right? Uh, that uh, if, if mm-hmm. he exercises that rematch clause, you know that everybody would just uh, allow it to happen. They'll make it swing it one way or the other. But Ramirez will not fight Buatzi in the meantime. He'll just sit on his shot. I mean, he's happy to sit. He showed us that before. He'll just sit and wait for the winner of Canelo and Beevil to take place. Then he'll not come over and fight Buatzi, will he, Ramirez? Possibly so. I. It's just. I know if they, if they throw enough money at a fight, it begin it, it gets harder to say no, mm. right? And that mm. that's the idea behind it. And that's that's a fight that they could throw some money at. I don't know what side of the pond you'd have that on. That's that's an interesting thought. I because they got fan bases uh, specific to geographic areas, um, so that's a curiosity. But I think um, that's um, even if it doesn't happen, that's an enjoyable fight. That's just a good fight, you know, sign me up. However it might happen now, two years from now. I like it. No, I agree with that. I just can't see Ramirez and golden boy and that sending him out to fight anyone, unless he is, just fight another bow cell in the meantime. Is Ramirez golden boy, or is he still doing like the independent hired gun thing? Well, he's hired gun, but golden boy are kind of looking after him. They've got him yeah. that shot. So with Bivol, haven't they? So, Hmm. Plus, they're on the zone, so it's an easy fight, you know, yeah, across across yeah. the platforms. But again, you know, Eddie seems to be kind of like 
talking up these British fighters for you know world level opponents, you know, to try and get on the zone. It's um, he's running kind of thin. I think it also kind of maybe makes tells his own story about his own stable. Actually, it's, it's, it's again thinning out, weak. I mean, Boatze, Biffle, imagine Biffle getting asked. Listen, do you want to come to the UK to fight Joshua Boatze? You just fucking, you just beat Canelo for Christ's sake. Or twelve, dominated over twelve rounds. He's wanting to come to the UK to fight Boatze. Yeah, you've beat Canelo. Up. You've got the Canelo rematch, and you've got Ramirez waiting. There's two potential fights. You know, Eddie Stable's running as thin as his hairline. He's so disingenuous. <laughs> There's no chance of the winner of Boatze Richards fighting Bivol anytime why, soon, in my opinion. Well, you know, if, why not make the Calm Smith fight? Why not make um, Anthony Yard fight? You know, I think Eddie will complain that Yard wanted a million quid or something. For I can't mind. Callum Johnson's been the MIA for I, I don't know how long. Well, he was he was he was supposed to fight Joe Smith Jr., but there was the injury or COVID or some shit, then that that put that off. So he tried to fight, you know, at least. Um, okay, uh, I see a good comment in the chat there. I mean, even yeah. at this point, yeah, Jean Pascal would be ideal. I think so, Andy. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely ideal. Okay, he's washed short possibly, but he's still managing to pull out victories against decent level guys or world world ranked guys at least. The ageless wonder. Every two years, he well, just pops know, out of hiding and picks up a title. Yeah, exactly, man. Where else, where else, where else would they pop for them? Yeah, get on the I mean. j- get on the jab in every get sense and jab, get over it. Exactly, but I think he'd be, he'd be an ideal test. You know, seasoned, experienced, ex world champion knows how to fight. He's got his own issues with his gas tank, but I tell you what, he gave Boats everything he could handle. I still think at this point in his career, even though I never saw his fight Friday night, I will catch it at some point, but. I believe it, it, it looked pretty decent. It was okay, Andy. It wasn't a bad fight, actually. Uh, Derek Cooper was tweeting out, Twitter wit. He says, poor ticket sales, empty arena, weak card, main event starting late. All that things Ed used to slate Warren for. Funny old world. Hashtag boxing. Uh, Matty, I think that Richards's hair didn't help him last night. Whenever Buatzi landed one of those rapid-fire attacks, Richards's hair was bouncing up and down as if he was being tagged constantly, probably more than he actually was. I say get it scalped next time. You know, I don't know about that, uh, you know, because uh, the quote looks at that hair and she's envious. <laughs> um, how could you damage such a do? Uh, I don't know. Uh, in a world where, you know, hairlines are uh, so hard to find, uh, might want to hang on to that one. Guests are hard to find at this rate. We've got Donnie's disappeared now, Matty. Yeah, he's like, fuck, I didn't see any of this. I'm just going to go. Where <laughs> his wife yelled at him. There's all sorts of options. I know. Uh, on the fight itself, though, I suppose, Boatsy hits nicely to the body. I'm not sure he likes it too much in return down there, but which fighter does at the end of the day? And he was complaining a lot more as the bout wore on, took a few shots, showed a good beard. On the subject of referees, I thought Howard Foster actually did a really good job, better than Bob Williams earlier in the evening, which I'm sure we'll come to. But I think Boatsy, he bites thin on his gum shield. He does well. What about the Virgil Hunter link up, uh, Matty? Are you happy with that? Do you think that's something that's working out? Working out better than for Tony Yoka. That's true. Stay um, with Virgil, then you're saying? Sorry, my, my it's Tony Midio coming. There you go. Uh, there you go. I, I, th- you know, for me, I think it's all. Of, I, I think uh, Virgil Hunter is is a very good boxing mind, right? For me, I think it's all about how his his demeanor and uh, and and just the way that uh, that real mellow way that he carries himself, how that works with a fighter, right? Um, it. it he, he's. He, I don't think that he's someone that that becomes an intense asshole in the gym. I think he's he is the way that he is at all times. You never see him really uh, modulate off of his center. Um, so if if that is how um, Boatsy best operates himself, 
then that's a good pairing. Um, but, but if it's not, and he needs someone that's a little more intense, um, he should be making those changes. Ames is on board with Hairgate, so is Des. Uh, Hopkins said the same about Lemieux when he fought Triple G. Yeah, I just I just think that the way the dreadlocks were kind of bouncing around, even though he was blocking the shots on the gloves and that, and not everything was landing, it just looked like his head was being bounced around. So maybe he should consider a haircut next time or get it cut off in the middle of the fight like Paulie Malinagy did all those years again against Love, More and Do. I think we've talked the main event to death. Last week, Matty, I picked Javier Molina to defeat Robbie Davis Jr. I thought he might have done a little bit more to secure the win. He definitely had Davis in trouble a few times. And if he'd just put his foot down on the gas, he could have got the job done. I think Bob Williams was very lenient with Davis's head. I think it was flying in left, right and centre. Davis did just enough in the rounds to up his activity levels and win the points. And it was down to, I think it was Molina's fight to win. And he just lost it. Where was Diaz senior in the corner? Jojo, Jojo Diaz, his dad, the big fat guy. He's usually effing and blinding like mad when it's his son. Why wasn't he putting a firework up Molina's arse? Not that I have anything particularly against Robbie Davis Jr. But the fact he's still a key part of Eddie Stable shows how weak it is because he did all he could, holding on by a Nat's cock to try and win that fight last night. I think he's on um, slippery ground all Davis matter. Yeah, I, I personally kind of think that Davies earned that round and Molina didn't deserve it. Based mm-hmm. on one thing and it made me recall when alexander povetkin fought vladimir klitschko steve the constant falling down to the knees on the inside shit yes like at, at some point in time it's too much and it, it it just becomes bullshit and and i think that you're kind of throwing it away at that point in time just trying to get the easy way out of fighting in the pocket um and uh so it, based on that i think that davies uh, deserved the victory i scored it a draw the odds on it were very close to even with Molina as a slight underdog, and that's exactly the way that it scored out. Um, you're right. He could have put his foot on the gas. Uh, he didn't have to stay off the back, stay on the back foot all that time. He didn't have to uh, let Davies step in when there was empty space between them. He could have filled it with punches, and he chose to do none of that. Um, so it's, it's one of those things. And if you're going overseas, going to that guy's backyard, um, you need to th- put together those extra 10 or 15 punches thrown around. You know, you can't give him an excuse. Uh, so Molina has no one but himself to blame, not enough effort and not enough heart. When you look at the way that he was falling to his knees, it was rather ridiculous. Well said, Matty. I completely agree with that, actually. Uh, sliding into Chicks with Dig territory, we had Ellie Scottney winning a 10-rounder over Maria Cecilia Roman and Chantel Cameron winning a 10-rounder over Victoria Noelia Bustos, couple of uh, Roman, no, Argentinians, rather, coming into the away corner there. I must admit, I only caught fleeting glances. This was what was known in the Wellings household as the piss break, so I didn't see any of these <laughs> fights. Did you catch anything of it? I, I, I did catch them both, and I thought that uh, reasonably similar performances from them. Uh, I, I don't know if there's a gender equivalent of workmanlike, but that was it, Steve. Um, mm. And uh, I, I do think that that uh, Scottney uh, has, definitely has talent. Uh, Chantel Cameron, definitely a good fighter. Um, but I don't think that I would rate Scottney as a prospect in the same light that I'm currently rating Sky Nicholson, who's only fighting a weight class above her. And I definitely don't think I can put Chantel Cameron in the same conversation with, uh, with Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano, Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall as the, uh, as the real top tier of the sport. Um, but she's definitely a good second tier player there. And there's some fights that could be made. Um, it'd be interesting 
Uh, I, I can't remember who the other title holder is at 140 pounds. The unification would be good. Um, and then uh, potentially going up to 147 pounds and cha- challenging uh, Jessica, Mc- Jessica McCaskill. Uh, I think that's a good fight for Cameron as well. Uh, but we'll see if they get any of those done. You know, it's it's there's more fighters uh, available than there used to be, but it's still slim pickings. Um, so you're, you're curious when they'll just jump at that opportunity to make like a McCaskill fight or something where there's actually a good dollar value behind it for uh, Cameron. And I think that um, they're probably going to be putting in Scottney with, uh, she seems to think she can get down another four pounds. So I imagine they'll be putting her in with uh, Courtney or, or Ebbs here shortly. So that'll be down at what, 118, would it be? Yes. Right, okay, fair enough. A little bit heavier than that, Andy, right up on the card. I'll tell you what, if it was nothing if not exciting, the cabbage himself, Alan Babich, 10 rounder against Adam Balski. It was a good old-fashioned slugfest, wasn't it? It yeah. kind of lit things up a little bit, I mean, for all of its faults, man. It was it was quite exciting at times. I tell you what, mate, it was um it was <laughs> when I got in when I got in yesterday, right? I says I'll leave the box until I only watch the main event and I switched it on and it was a cabbage came on. I was like, oh Christ. Literally within ten seconds I switched it on and it gets dropped. I'm like, okay, I'll sit and watch this. But uh, as everybody as everybody been seen on Twitter, it has to be said. <laughs> it has to be said. It was a it was a decent scrap yeah. against with two guys who are on a certain level, shall we say, right? They're not world level fighters. <laughs> aye, basically. Babich, what round was it? I say he, he took that, was it the ninth? Yeah, I think it was the ninth. The yeah, man. That was a hell of a shot, wasn't it? But I thought he was gone then, man. He was looking for the corner, staggering around the place like a drunk. I'm saying myself, if, if, uh, I forget the guy's name, uh, Balski, sorry. Balski, yeah. if, if he'd actually just, he seemed to elect to, uh, elect to, you know, to box that time. Yeah, it was strange, Jab, that, wasn't it? Right yeah. hands. Why did they not go for it? You know, fucking Babich was there to be had, but then fair play to Babich, actually, because I thought as that 10th round went on, you could see him gradually kind of coming more back into it, mm-hmm. getting his senses back to him, and he started throwing more shots. Look, we all know what he is at this point. He's a he's a strong man type G glorified. That That's what he is. Yeah, it will be an exciting fight uh, to a point, but he knows himself what, what, you know, what his limit is or what his, what his level is, really. Um, look, last night, was, it was fun to watch. Um, but at the same time, um, I'm not going to go too much on it. But it says it was an exciting fight. Well, I'll leave it at that. I'll leave Andy, it at that. I was going to ask you what... something. I was going to ask you something actually. And Ames has picked up on this as well. Was the shot legal? Seemed to me at first. I think he was well, throwing it as the bell was yeah, well, going. Andy, I know. I know. I don't. I, th- I mean, I, what, what can you I'm do assuming... in that situation? The bell was well, landing as he threw it, man. I, I don't know. I think it was that I, I need to go back and watch it. But but did <laughs> but did the ref as the bell sounded? Did Lachlan? Immediately step in there to stop stop the punches, or was oh, it man, literally man. literally like mid flight as the bell land as, as the bell went? Because if the bell goes, I think if it lands right on the bell, I think it's going to be classed as a as a legal shot. I, possibly. Yeah, I, I think so. I I think the ref was caught in a really tough position there. I think that he, the shot landed after the bell, but it obviously wasn't for not paying attention. It was just like in the middle of action right at that moment. And he probably started throwing it, uh, you know, before the bell rang, just kind of one of those in a second thing or just shortly thereafter. It was close. I haven't watched it back to be honest with you, but, but as I say, when I've seen it on, on the replay, the replay didn't have the bell sound. So I don't know if it, it yeah, that, that would have been useful, a, wouldn't it? That yeah. would have been really useful. Well, I'll tell you what, it was a cracker of a shot, man. You've seen his, mm-hmm. his, his neck just twisted, like almost fucking right around about his, right around about his shoulder. It was, yeah. like one of those, it was like one of those rocky type uh, shots that you see, like, say, oh, kind of <laughs> close up. It's like, right, okay, we're going to film this shot, right? And I want you to spin your head one way as I hit you with this. That's what it was like a right hand, boom. 
but fuck me, my favorite. It's hard because it's it's hard because it's in the heat of the moment and all. But sometimes, if you hear the bell and your body instantly relaxes and your hands come down, that can be a mistake, can't well, it? Sometimes yeah. you've got to keep them going for that extra couple of seconds. Another thing I was going to mention, Steve, is I don't think we do it in Britain, but they need to have the 10 second warning in, in, in the ring these days because it gives the referee that, you know, okay, I've got to have a quick countdown here, 10 seconds to go. I get ready to jump in at the very, very first sound of that bell. I'm straight in there to try, try and stop anything happening or shots like that, obviously, kind of landing bang or maybe after the bell. So mm-hmm. maybe we need to start bringing the, the, the 10 second warning in the UK ring, to be honest with you. Well, see, I was going to say, I, th- I think the ref did the right thing with the point deduction, Steve, and here's why. He was caught in a really weird position because that technically, it wasn't a malicious blow, but it wasn't technically a legal blow. And mm-hmm. it he was still damaged from it. So the only thing that you could really do for him was give him time. And the only way you can really do that at the start of a round is by going into the ah, point deduction. That's a good point. Or some kind of serious warning. Yeah. Because it has been a fight changing incident. Yeah. That's, that's yep. a good point. Yeah. And it's, and you would have, you would have hated for it to have ended on that. It would have been kind of like if Marcos Madonna got knocked out by Adrian Broner in the last round of their fight. Cause remember he caught him after the bell and that yeah. was far more malicious. I um, mean, the ref really did nothing about that um, in that situation. So we're, Weird position to be in, and I, uh, I, I think we got to give credit to the ref on this one uh, because uh, it's it, there's no other way that you could kind of even it out for Babbage at that point in time because it was no fault of his own. It's he kind of forced his hand, and, and I think he played it right. Well said, Matty. Just remember, just to remind everybody listening at home, in case you're not one, you you don't realise we are into episode four seven five of the Asylum Nuttos podcast. We're fairly racking them up. Twenty five to go to go on to episode five hundred. Quick shout out to the chat just before we do that. Shout out to everybody over on Patreon.com forward slash Boxing Asylum, including the people who have joined us this week: Des Cook, Canada's finest, and Gerard, aka Gerard, has joined us as well. So welcome to you two enjoying themselves in the Boxing Nutters Messenger group, which will go through the Prediction League very shortly. Hey, First Steve, of all, yes. I, I, I have considered, you know, since we're doing the Patreon and we do the stuff through YouTube and all that, I've considered starting an OnlyFans where I treat my cock like a speed bag. <laughs> okay. The enemy get some money here. Hey, yeah, you know, uh, you got to see, you got to test the market to find out if that's what the people want. Well, there'll be some dirty pervert who wants that. Like, don't you worry about that? I mean, have you seen some of the people who've been getting pictures to me, Ebony Bridges? Guys getting fucking uh, autographs put on their necks so they then go and get it tattooed. Absolute weirdo. So I, I think there'll be a market for that, Matty. No, without doubt. That would be terrible to get a stalker from doing that, wouldn't it? It's, God, I didn't even think that through. Like, somebody, like, knocking on my door, like, wanting to touch my junk. That's just messed up. Oh, can I imagine it would be... It would be... It would be... <laughs> Back to the darkness of the chat, everybody. Shout out to Michael Thompson. <laughs> Don't know whether he'll be signing up for only fans or not, but he's hanging around in there anyway. So it's Take Ames, Jack WD, Kent's Missing Scarf, Johnny Horsecock Nelson is with us as well. So is Yumi Yappy, Paul Raftery, Des as usual, uh, Nathan Ford, Stephen Hill, uh, Ariane Uda. Who else have we got here floating around? Josh Ford, Ben Russell, Ray. No surname for Ray. No missing around there. Big A is here. K Boomerang. Haven't seen you before. Welcome. Slappy Gilmore stops by from time to time. Final couple as well before we move on. M2M's here. Adam Hughes as well with his own particular brand of comedy. And M Lithgow 1983 is with us. Uh, please, Matty, no, says Take Ames. He's not happy about the OnlyFans. Jason Chahal's there, though. Amit Sharma 
says Matty can guest appear on Tony Bellew's OnlyFans. Chini's here as well. Shout out to Gerard and David Mustard as well, who's thrown in just in time for his shout out. But Steve, that was a great fight. Okay, that was a great yeah. fight. Uh, it, no, it was. It's, I, I hate to go and like, and I hate to miss that chance. It's a trash fight. Let's appreciate trash fighters for what they are. The dude has a hell of a fucking beard. He goes to war. It's like watching, a, like if you if you put it on mute, it's like listening to the most masculine women's tennis match you can imagine. It. You know, it's like Neanderthal. Like he's just such fucking brute. Sounds like you want only fans, Matty. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Me and Babbage, we could we could do something. We could do something. But anyways, it's fun for what it is. I would love a rematch, right? I would fucking love a rematch. It's it's great filler. It doesn't cost that much money, and it it's just it's fun. Some shit's entertaining. Uh, Babbage wants to go for the Bridgerweight title, which means nothing. Uh, on with you there, Savage. Rock on with your bad self. I I hope you get the chance to caress uh, Hergovich's balls too. But before you do that, let's get this rematch. Hergovich would bless him by what are you talking about? That's Hergovich what he said. He, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it'd be, it's, I, there's, he's one of those guys, it's going to be fun while it lasts, period, right? It just is because of the tenacity of the guy. Fucking A, let him go. Let that fucking freak show run. I love it. Amit Sharma says, on the 10-second warning, Andy mentioned, was thinking about that last night. Would it take out some of the late drama from rounds and late in fights? I would say it might add the drama sometimes when you hear that 10-second clapper going. Yeah, that's when they have a, you know, a firework and they start hitting each other harder, under. Yeah, as I say, if, if um, the guy, uh, Balski, if he'd actually kind of, maybe heard that he was trying to kind of press, you could see that he was knackered as well last night trying to throw his shots late on. But you just know you got, okay, I've got 10 seconds to go. It could be a tight round. And the thing is, it might just be those 10 seconds that might just win you the round. You just, or, you know, just you finishing the show strong, landing a few heavy shots, just might be enough for you to get, get a decision. Or, you know, so who knows? I don't think it would take away, you know, any excitement or any drama from it at the end of the day because the fighters are throwing shots. It's, it's, more, it's more along the lines for the referee to be prepared to jump in to stop any action for the, you know, for, for the fight ending or for the round ending, basically, in, in my opinion, at least. Uh, one from last week that I missed out, shout out to Evening Ed. He said, was watching a stream and said that I'd never watch boxing again if Yoka got the result. This was regarding the Tony Yoka-Martin Bacoli fight. We're shitting it when the cards came in, thanks to some ropey GCSE French. Easily the best I've seen from Bacoli, who had looked pedestrian in previous fights, looked like a vicious throwback fighter. And I know it's treason, but he holds himself and moves in a similar way to an older George Foreman. Um... Jean-Pascal, no, you didn't see Andy. I'll give my thoughts on the fight pretty quickly. I thought it was a pretty close fight. I'm not sure about the knockdown in round nine. This was a 12-rounder. He lost to, no, he beat Fan Long Meng. Meng blocked the initial punch, twisted around. Pascal hit him in the back, and down he went. They called it a knockdown. Early in the fight, Pascal had been hurt a little bit. He looked in fine physical shape. He threw a two-fisted punch at one point. Poor old Meng, he looks like he's had a hard life. And then you had Roy Jones at ringside, Antonio Tava, Paulie Malinaji, quite an unholy trinity of commentators on this new Pro Box TV. What I'm saying is, Andy, it was quite the event. You had a four-fight welterweight tournament on the undercard called Last Chance. All were eight-round fights, some varying abilities on display, but pretty entertaining night all the same. And Pascal, he's nearly 40 now, far removed from the Frotch fight, but he's rumbling on, as we mentioned there, Andy. If you put him in against the likes of Yard, Arthur, Buazzi or whatever, I wouldn't complain against that. He's still a yardstick for those kind of guys, and maybe more. 
Absolutely, mate. I mean, as I said, I'm just pulling up his record just now, so I want to get it right. So since 2019, he's beat Marcus Brown, Badu Jack, Fan Long Meng. That's that's three guys at light heavyweight who were top ten. Mm. You know, I think even at this point, I mean, as I say, I think 2019. Okay, that was his first fight in three years. But even then, 2019 was was the year that he was even getting considered as as comeback fighter of the year for having those actual two wins. It goes a distance, gets widely beaten, obviously against Dimitri Bivol. Has a couple of fights that you know. But in the build up to that, um, and then loses to Elder Alvarez, uh, loses to Kovalev. We know about that one. He got absolutely badly beaten. Um, yeah, I still believe. But obviously, I, I, I'm going to go back and watch this fight actually because I said it's one fight I've not caught from the weekend yet. But um, I still think he's he's got enough about him at, at this point. You know, you'll know better than me. Obviously, based on you know having seen the fight, how did he look after three years? Does he active enough? Does he look like he's going to gas? Has he managed himself over over the course of twelve rounds? I thought he looked okay, Andy. Early on, I thought Meng was out boxing. I thought it was really close. I wouldn't have been surprised, well, and upset if Meng had got the result. I mean, it wasn't like Pascal went in and blew him away. But as the fight went on, Pascal's power started to catch up with Meng as Meng wasn't moving as quickly then. He started hitting him with harder shots. And that's yeah. really when Meng slowed down was when Pascal started catching him. Early on, Meng looked pretty uh, sharpish and he was throwing left hands and he was catching Pascal. So this could be more to do with the limitations of the Chinese fighter yeah. than to what Pascal has to offer at a major level. What about Pas- is Pascal still kind of throwing those kind of like looping wide shots etc yes. as well? Yeah. Yes. You yes. just don't know as well. If one of them was, was, was to catch Boatze, would they go? Because as I said last night, you know, Richards had, had caught him a couple of times standing up straight, you know, piercing the guard a couple of times. You just wonder if Pascal just really lobs a grenade over, over that guard. He's, he's going to catch him. Bad, could badly hurt him. I, since, I forget who it was in the chat actually maybe mentioned about, um, you know, how we've had this, this, um, perceived conception about Boatsy maybe hiding glass, you know, so people thought maybe last night that he proved he was maybe knows uh, as chinny as what maybe some people were maybe thinking, but then again, we didn't see him kind of really kind of under sustained pressure, I felt a wee bit. I think if, if, if you get something against a seasoned vet like like Pascal, lobbing in those shots, you just don't know, it could it could just, just make all the difference, you just don't know, but then again, Boatsy... Might just be one of these fighters that maybe needs uh, a, a moment where he's going to be absolutely not petrified, but need, need, needs that fear factor mm. to kind of make sure he's actually dialed in for the entire fight, uh, and then maybe just pulls it out in the end. But I think at this point that Pascal could be a decent up a uh, decent opposition for for the uh, for Blatts. I'm just trying to think about else I've talked about. Obviously, Calum Smith have mentioned. Um, I like to see Andre Durrell as well. You know, Blatts is like top three or top four with all the bodies at this point so I want to see him with one of those guys at least um, I'm just trying to kind of see if I can find Craig Richards on, on these rankings actually just see, you can't prepare for Pascal that's the tough thing with him like you have to fight Pascal to prepare yourself for the kind of punches that he throws because they're not easy to duplicate right it's he's got pretty long arms for his height he, he throws them wide um, it's it's hard to get sparring for something like that. Um, it, I mean, you look at people in rematches against him always do better because they kind of understand how to fight him at that point in time. It's yeah, it's, they're used you, to it then. Yeah, yeah. You you basically you basically have to get inside of his loop and land something and and then and crowd him and it just gets sloppy. Like uh, it's hardly anyone. I, I'm thinking back maybe like Kovalev. Uh, the Froch fight was fun, but hardly anyone looks good in beating Pascal. It's always a sloppy affair. Yeah, Kovalev really, I think, the two of them. They're talking to big bangers. We're going to be previewing the Javonta Davis for Orlando Romero fight shortly. Belly of the week still to come up as well. No messing about tonight. 
trying to try and get in and out in around two hours if we can. Got some shit to do in the morning. So with that said, Matty, let's go on to the resorts world in Las Vegas. According to Mr. Tessator on ESPN, this cost $4 billion to put this together. Uh, maybe not as much in the purses between Danny Dignam and Janibek Alim Kanuli, one of the biggest world title mismatches of recent years. No surprise to see the WBO involved as usual. I actually felt a bit sorry for Danny Dignam, but more than anything, Matty, I, sa- I felt sorry for you, just as you got a handle on Janibek Alim Kanuli. He gets a different name handed to him. Yes, apparently we've been yeah, doing it wrong this whole time, Steve. <laughs> apparently, because I'd always thought, looking at his name, I'm like, you oh, know, kind of harsh. He sounds like he's not some freaking Italian from Naples, right? Uh, so I don't know about that one. And it turns out his name is pronounced Alim Hanala. Okay, <laughs> so uh, all that effort that we put in trying to say Alim Canuli, you did. Alim Hanala. Yeah, it was all for it was all for nothing. Just pissing into the wind, pissing into the wind, just like Danny Dignam was doing by taking this fight. Steve getting absolutely uh, meleeed from the uh, from the opening round, going down from a right hook, left right hook combination that was just beautiful in the first, only to be floored by a left uppercut, which will be in the knockout of the year conversation. And you want to talk about punching power, Steve? Go back and take a close look at how that punch landed. That was with the inside of the glove. He didn't even get his fist turned up for that one. Wow. It was a nasty shot. Dude's a real puncher. Um, it will be interesting to see where he goes from here. And Steve, I know uh, it's, it's a shame that, the, that he's fighting with the zone and, and with the Canelo thing. Who knows? But damn, it wouldn't be interesting to see him fight uh, Golovkin um, in an all Kazakh battle. Uh, two big punchers uh, handing over the torch. I see it at that point in time, but uh, man, uh, th- this kid's a freaking banger. It, his name is Janabek Alim Hanala. I'm going to call him Alim Kanuli because that's what I learned, so fuck it. Yeah, me too. He didn't seem to fancy the Golovkin fight, did he, Matty? He seemed to think you're supposed to respect your elders and maybe not call him out, which is, if that's a cultural thing, that's fair enough. He probably doesn't want to put too much damage on the Asian version of Triple G now. Yeah, apparently, unlike in Ireland, they don't have a seniors division, Steve. (laughs) The Irish seniors. Uh, I think, Matty, uh, Andy, rather, uh, Dignam, somebody sent me that picture that's on the screen during the week and said, uh, Dignam looks looks confident, but he seemed really nervous to me. He could hardly maintain a correct stance. He fainted himself to the canvas twice in a row, as if his whole whole body was made of jelly and... Uh, I was just going to say that it's a thankless task for him. And I saw the yeah. CompuBox numbers boys suggesting he landed five punches in the opening round. I didn't catch any of them. I didn't even see him land anything. Tim Bradley was pissed himself when he <laughs> with those feints, man. What was he doing? I don't know, mate. I think he must have been expecting something. Maybe trying to kind of slop it, and he's just yeah. Like, maybe, maybe it was nervous. Maybe, maybe he just couldn't keep his legs on them through pure nervousness. I don't know, but mate, this this is this is another circumstance of a guy who's a victim of sanctioned body politics. He's picked up a WBO, I think it was a European belt, whatever it was. So he's paid his dues, mm. he's paid his sanctioning fees, and lo and behold, somehow he's going to be was it number three, number two in the world uh, for that title shot there last night. And again, you just you just kind of skip levels like this. You know, we, we, we were saying that about Boatsy, for example. You just you just cannot do it. I mean. I don't think he's fought for a British title. I don't even think he's had uh, any more than, what is it, 16 fights or whatever it is. He just wasn't prepared for it. And I, I understand he was, a, he was a decent amateur. I think he might be an ABA champion back in the day. But that's all That's all good and well. But you could have got through the pro ranks uh, again because the, 
the British domestic scene, or the, you know, as, as we call it, the old-fashioned route, British Commonwealth area titles, European title, do that, then step it up because you then know where you're at and what you're ready for. But again, as I say, he's had four, four or five defences of some sort of WBO trinket, paid sanction fees for that. He's been as a result of those, those sanction fees, he's been put in high in the rankings. He's got the call. He's took the risk. He's flew to America. Fair play to him. Again, he's banked himself, but fuck me, man, that was that was brutal. And they get knocked to sorry to get knocked to like that after looking at his, uh, how he did look, pretty poor. Looked like an, an absolute novice. And again, this is the next ABA champion we're talking about here. He's not a novice, but he looked like one. He bites on fence twice. He, he drops his knees and he gets you know hammered up against the ropes. Ben, I think he kind of like slightly leaned into the shot actually as uppercut uh, got thrown. And as Matt says, he had to twist, he had to turn his hand fully to try and get full 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 motion on, on, on that shot. But he was absolutely sparked out. I just um, I just kind of see how how you can step over these levels and expect to kind of go in with that. And then again, look, Alab Canelli might not be elite, but we've said it before, Steve, we felt that Alab Canelli would give Andrade all he could handle. Mm. And he didn't, well, we're not going to say he didn't fancy it, but he's been up and wait, supposedly, before he got injured, allegedly. And uh, ducked the fight, supposedly. And this is now Alab Canelli getting his world title sh- uh, chance or interim title chance, whatever it is. It's just, again, politics... Sanction body politics, guys who are undeserving these title shots. Uh, that's just where it is, mate. And uh, again, top uh, top rank ESPN events this year have been absolute dog shit. Uh, I I agree awful. with you though, and Andy, when it comes to like the skipping the levels, I know we say ad nauseum and everything, but if you look at his last few fights, you know he's going off. He knocked out Conrad Cummings, knocked out Melee, drew with Sorokin in his big uh, step up, and then knocked out Grant Dennis, which is all well and good. But it's the way it's changed in recent years. Like back in the day, you would have seen guys built on like domestic television, winning like British Commonwealth, European, and then we'd all be kind of we'd know about them when they moved up to world level. The likes of Dignam, he's kind of come from nowhere. They're getting these opportunities, and even domestic fight fans, other than the hardcores of hardcores, even know anything about them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we haven't seen him tested at British level. Where, whereas back in the day, say you had someone like a Kevin Lushing stepped up and fought Tito Trinidad, fell short. Fair enough. Ryan Rhodes stepped up and fought Otis Grant, fell short. Even way They've back to guys like Colin, yeah yeah like Colin Jones we knew them we saw them Alex Arthur we saw them every month or every few months building up to that level we knew what level they were these mm-hmm. guys know they're appearing from nowhere we don't even know much about them let alone the opponents yep. like Alan Canuli Ricky Burns John Simpson yeah uh, Colin Lines all these guys mate you know guys who we saw every other few months defending a Commonwealth title against a tough African or a tough domestic, uh, you know, Brit, for example, or getting over a European champion like David Hay fought, uh, forget the, the Russian's name at this point, but iced him in one round. He was a Alexander Gurov. Uh, I think he was a decent European level champion at that point. But again, Hay had went over s- some of the domestic routes and that as well, European champion. Um, I think he might be in an area title fight. But again, as I say, some of these fights that or opponents that you face, etc. I mean, Diglum hasn't even been in a hasn't even been in a, a twelve rounder before until last night. That was a twelve round sanctioned fight. I think he'd only been ten rounds once in his entire career. And something was at fourteen, fifteen fights. That's no Yeah, that was the draw no, against Sorokin, that's right. Was it? And Sorokin's no great, for what I can recall. I think he's he might even got smashed up in his, his fight after uh, fighting Dignum. And he's been over the course with says Conrad Cummins. We know what Conrad's level is, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, there's again, nobody can be world class, elite, world champions and stuff. There is a level. Okay, he's, he's got the call, he's got the chance, but he was just wasn't prepared for that. 
And at least back in the day, mate, uh, uh, again, though I sound like a fucking old head here, but go back to your point, we saw these guys uh, coming up through the ranks. We knew whether, you know, how good they were or, you know, how we could rate their chances against a guy guy like Mm Alan Greenley, for example. Last week we were saying, he's got no chance. At least we liked maybe Ricky Hatton or Ricky Burns, John Simpson. At least we kind of knew, listen, these guys are quite tough. You know, they might not win, but at the same time, they'll probably get a good account of themselves. We had nothing really to compare Dignam at world level there last night, or even domestic level. Again, as I say, it's Melly and Cummins, I believe they're, they're the, well, obviously Cummins is, is Belfast, but is that Melly no Irish as well? Melly's from Belfast, Cummins is yeah. from Coal Island, so yeah. Yeah, so as I say, basically he's been fighting at domestic level, fringe, maybe European level, if you want to put Shirotkin in there. But again, as I say, it's, just, it's, it's these bobble belts, they inflate your rankings. You, they diminish your purse a wee bit to you know to pay for this honour to get this ranking, and to then someday get get a call to then go to America and get your ass handed to you. It's just sad to see. Actually, he was just wasn't prepared for that in any way, shape, or form. And as I say, look, he was he was a decent amateur back in his day, as I understand it. But again, amateurs, amateurs. This is the pro game, and he just wasn't prepared for that type of fight there last night, or that type of opponent, basically. Um, and will he ever be? I don't think so. No, I'd, I'd he's thirty now. He's not thirty. Yeah, he, he, he might. Night. He might not. He might not ever fight again. Someone was saying to me earlier, those are the kind of uh, finishes and beatings that you might not never recover from. You might never see him again. It was a world title fight in essence. So hopefully he got well paid. And, yeah, well, that's, that's a KO of the year candidate. So we'll always remembered for that. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. He'd be glad to hear that. Tell you what, though, Matty, uh, a curious fight on the undercard between Jamel Herring and Jermaine Ortiz because. Going in, we didn't really know what to make of it. Was it a step back for Herring to see what he had left? Was it a chance to get a faded name on Ortiz's record? I don't tend to listen to ESPN with the sound on, so I don't know how they framed it. But by the end of the fight, it had framed itself. Herring's career had come to an end. And Ortiz looks like a man who's moving forward. Yeah, um, but you know what? I I think that um, until Herring's legs gave out, he was really given, uh, given a lot of trouble to Ortiz. Uh, so I, I tend to think that he caught the right guy at the right time and that Ortiz in a stacked 135 pound division, um, isn't going to end up going all of that, all that far. Um, I, I thought that, uh, that Herring won, uh, two or three of the first five, uh, in, uh, swing rounds. I think I had four and six. And then basically Ortiz taking over at the end when the, the older guy just couldn't put it together anymore. Um, it's good to see these stepping away, faculties intact, um, late career coming out of the Marines, made the most out of it that he could, world champion. Um, he'll always have that good win over Frampton, as faded as Frampton might have been. And um, like I said, um, Ortiz will have a couple more good fights in him, but his ceiling is rapidly approaching um, if uh, they, they move him in an upwards direction, uh, it'll be next fight or the one after that. Uh, Andy, I'm the same as you. The only other one I saw on that was Tiger Johnson. He was too fast, too strong, too accurate for Augustin Kucharski. Seems like a nice kid, Johnson. He's clearly talented, former 2020 US Olympian with a bright future, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, I think he got to the quarters in the Olympics, lost to, I think it was Ronnie Iglesias, so there's not really any shame there. I think, I think, I even think that the Cubans even turned pro this weekend, weekend as well, actually, but I wouldn't need to try and catch yeah. up with that. Um, yeah, he looked, the, kid, the kid looks good. Um, good right hand on him, at, at least not really kind of, uh, what was his name? Kaczewski, I think his name was. Yeah, Kaczewski. Caught, caught, yeah. caught him a right hand, right about the temple, really kind of twisted his legs up. 
and then caught him again uh, with another shot. Really kind of folded him. Really does look look the business in a really good division as well, the welterweight division. But again, t- twenty three at this point, maybe, maybe um, when he gets to you know fill out a wee bit, he might have to move up and wait. But I did I did notice as well his managers, the one that kind of looks after Tiafimo Lopez, David McWater. So hopefully he doesn't start looking mm. at all these mad pie charts that they do and that trying trying to look at his next opponents, for example, his next paydays. So hopefully he stays away for that push for a wee bit longer. But I, he, he looks yeah. the business like to be, to be yeah, fair. No, but again, yeah. I, I guess that level of position you're meant to really, aren't you? Exactly, exactly. You don't know what to expect yet, but at the moment he's doing all the right things. Uh, final recap from the weekend before we move on to next week's action. Then Matty, uh, I know you only saw one card, but I'll mention all the bits and pieces that were going on. Andrew came with a knockout on Friday night over Lewis Moreno in the first round. Damaging career loss for Brad Foster off the Cunningham loss. He lost to Ionut Baluta. I only saw the last three rounds and it looked pretty nip and tuck. Also, Jan Kosobutsky, uh, the slippery Southpaw heavyweight I mentioned last week, won with a fifth round retirement over Johan de Hapas. And a couple of decent scraps by all means in Spain. Jairo Noriega undefeated, getting the win over Angel Moreno. And Kermin Leharaga losing again, this time to James Metcalf, a.k.a. Kid Shamrock. I believe you saw this one under zone, Matty. Matty? I, I did t- catch this one, Stephen. I think that Metcalf definitely did deserve the call on this one. Uh, Leharaga, not throw, uh, not very dynamic in what he was throwing. Uh, not a lot of variety. Uh, Metcalf able to catch him with uh, short punches uh, coming in or turn out of the way before much could happen. But there were some close rounds. Uh, the scorecards uh, were uh, 96-94 two times uh, and a uh, 90, uh, 93. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. That was something else I had written down. My apologies. Um, but I, I thought the scorecards were way too close for comfort, as I recall. I, I think that a couple of them were only separated by point, maybe two. I think there might have been like a 96-95 kind of thing in there. Um, they really, really tried to screw uh, Metcalf on that one. Uh, the ref was absolutely showing favoritism to Leharaga. There are times when he broke <laughs> him up, and it was uh, kind of one of them uh, Robin Reed, uh, Sven Otka things where you're like, did you just warn him for punching him or something like that? Some things like, never change. I quite gather what happened there. Um, and I can't, uh, I'm terrible at picking up the names of the referees, but it, it's just awful. I mean, absolutely awful. And much like the Tony Yoka fight, they tried to stack the cards and there just wasn't enough work in there to get it done. Uh, so Metcalf comes home. Uh, he should have probably won that fight uh, around a, uh, probably about a, a seven to three kind of thing. Um, and that's even considering, Steve, I think that Leiraga probably got the third round on most of the cards, mm. and Metcalf got robbed out of a knockdown call on that one. He caught uh, he caught Leiraga with a, a, a good shot towards the top of the head, and, and down he went. And uh, the ref ruled it a slip, and it, it looked pretty clear. And from where I could tell the ref was standing, he should have made that call again. Lots of favoritism towards Leiraga in that one. Uh, so Met- Metcalf really did have to go into uh, into the fires for that one, but he uh, he pulled out all right on that one. Uh, good uh, performance, and uh, much like Bacoli, they just barely gave him the credit for it. Yeah, Metcalf is a good, exciting fighter, much like his father. Takes a lot of punishment as well. On to the questions then, Andy, starting with you. Evening Ed again, throwing one in. He says, the Taylor versus Catchall rematch is one of the biggest UK fights possible at the moment. Do you think Taylor's pride will force him to take the rematch? And what does he have to do differently to win it? I have my own thoughts on this, Andy, but what do you think? Do you think Taylor's pride will force him to take the rematch? And what will he have to do differently? 
I don't know, mate, at this point. It seems to have been kind of quiet. I mean, he's, he's obviously lost one of his belts so far. Um, was it the Palulo mandatory? So he's not taking that on. Mm. He's talking about weight issues. Um, was it, What was the talk again about him possibly staying at 140? Was this put out by his team? I'm not sure, yeah, but I, I, I don't think I don't think the rematch will happen. And if he wants to do anything differently, he's going to have to get rid of old Brill Cream. <laughs> or Mr. Uh, what's, his, what's his name now? British Hair Clinic. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Poor Ben. But uh, I, um, pride-wise, I, I don't think so. Look, I think it's a hard one, but I really don't know. Um, While his pride was damaged with the catch-all fight, possibly, I think he has enough, he will feel maybe he's got enough credit in the bank with the previous wars that he doesn't have anything to prove. He will probably think that. Possibly, mate. Maybe it could be an ego thing. I really don't know. Um mm. If he looks, at, if he's honest about himself, and that he'll, he'll really admit that look, I lost that fight. Um, Ned Dale seems to be kind of calm for it, really, apart from the casual day. You can't really. No, exactly. Um, sorry, I need coffee. Give me two seconds, mate. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Um, I'll say no. He doesn't take the rematch. So I think he's kind of looking for more bigger fights, possibly at welterweight. Um, what does he need, need to do differently? Well, land more bloody shots for a start. No, take too many shots, and uh, just be more active. I think um, that's all about it, really, mate. But I, I, yeah. I, the, the, the way it's kind of going for me at the minute, and that you know, regardless of how much Jack talks, I can see Josh being the type of cunt that will say, "I ain't gonna give him another payday. I ain't gonna give him another shot at the titles because Jack's kind of calling him." I think so. But, and I, I, I get it. Oh, I totally get where Catro's coming from. You know, everybody sees it about Josh sometimes that he can be a really un- unlikable character sometimes. But Josh also strikes me as the type of cunt that just don't give a fuck really. You know, he says, "Look, if you want to chat away, fucking let him. He's not going to get another payday off me." That's the way I see it, at least, or the way I can see it going. But it's not really a fight really that I'm really wanting to see again. To be honest, with you. apart from Catro, obviously getting getting his just due, it's not really something I'm kind of jump up to see either. To be honest with you. Matty, Michael Thompson's throwing a question for you. He says, do you think that entrances and introductions are taking way too long now, especially on the zone? The order seems to be. Announce the fighter entrance, video screen montage, fighter appears and stands around for a bit. Ring walk, that takes ages. Anthems then. Finally, the fighter introductions. It was actually refreshing to see that at the Charlo versus Castagno undisputed fight. They just got on with it fairly quickly. Then let them get at it. Uh, we're all curmudgeons on this show, but I agree with Michael Thompson here, Matty. I love a good ring walker every now and again, but it's just become absolutely commonplace and just go on for absolutely bloody ages and when the national anthem starts you just hear a collective sigh around the world of boxing fans just going oh god just get on with this you know it's like five in the morning you could sit and watch it you know if, if they're tremendously interesting uh ones like the ones that tyson fury puts together they're, they're great and i and i don't want people not doing them because i think it definitely adds to the flavor of the sport um it, it's you know if you do it it's just the right amount of pageantry um but uh, i'll tell you what does annoy me steve when fighters come to the ring with a rapper who is rapping over their track, which hasn't had the vocals removed. <laughs> like, what the fuck is the fucking point? Like, seriously, like, if you're going to do it, you can at least do it at the level of karaoke and remove the fucking words from the song. But they don't even do that. They just fucking go along with it. And it sounds absolutely fucking ridiculous. And it's just dumb. And I don't know why. Um, it's just 
it's not my thing and i guess i'll be old and crotchety on this one but stop doing that shit like come out to a rap song that's great i like plenty of rap songs you don't need to come out to a rapper rapping to his own fucking song it's just, i don't know it's i don't know these these goddamn kids well, Steve. Matt, sorry, Steve, I'll, I'll just to jump in here, it's just to kind of add yeah. a bit more to that. I was watching an old Mikael Kessler fight the other night there. I think it might have been... Blah, blah, blah. I need to go and double-check, but I forget who it was. But the the MC for the fight was actually introduced into the ring with music. Then the MC got into the ring and then introduced the referee, who was Lewis Pabon, who walked to, to the Argentinian National Anthem with fucking... <laughs> No, uh, Panamanian the national anthem with a Panamanian flag. Then the fighters got in the ring. Then you had the national anthems for, for, for each guy. I'm like, fuck me, man. So it was like, I watched it. It was like a, a, an hour and a half long fucking video. It was like 10 rounds uh, this fight lasted. But this is what happened. It was like fucking 20 minutes of pageantry before the fight got started. Fucking the referee actually got piped into the fucking... I couldn't believe it. The, the Dutch tried too hard to get people to like them. Danish. Danish, sorry. <laughs> There you go, Michael. I'll tell you one thing we can all get on board with. That's Joe Burns throwing in a 179. He said, Leeds have stayed up, boys. Happy days. Evening, Ed. Thank you for the 179 there. Joe, the first super chat of many, or the first of not very many. Who knows? Uh, that is all God the bless Joe Burns. <laughs> Good old reliable. Where's Chris Burns, Matty? That's the question. Yeah, where is Chris Burns? Where is Chris Burns? The, we need the feud. It's part of our life. Come on. Come on, dude. Get stuck in there. Uh, one thing that might or might not be part of your life next weekend, uh, Andy, Thursday the 26th of May, the Michigan Unarmed Combat Commission coming in unarmed is Shoah John Ergashev, 21-0 with 19 knockouts against Luis Alberto Veron. He's an interesting fighter, Ergashev. More to the point on the undercard, Otto Wallin, heavyweight against Rydell Booker. Matty mentioned it last week. Booker's an absolute waste of time. Wallin, we know he's had his problems trying to get fights. Dillian White effectively made up a shoulder injury to duck him. But is the, the career steam of Wallin starting to fade a little bit? What is it, two or three years now since he fought Tyson Fury? He needs a big fight quickly, doesn't he? I know he fought Dominic Brazil on the PBC, but that currency from the Fury one, I think they need to start jumping on that now and maybe getting Wallin, the PBC, a bigger fight and uh, cashing in on him. I was going to ask, actually, who's Wallin with the PBC? Is he on call, is he? I, I think he's with Dimitri Salita, but yeah. he'll take him anywhere, but he's going to have to take him somewhere. Well, exactly. I mean, I mean he, he didn't take it to fucking Detroit, for Christ's sake, man. That's where fucking careers go to die. But after the Fury fight... I think Not even fought. Detroit, Andy. It's Dearborn. It's but Dearborn. That... It's uh, just another city in Michigan. It's got the highest percentage of Muslims of any city in the United States. So they bring Mi- the Swedish Mich- guy. Michigan's in is, is Detroit, isn't it? Or state, yes, at least. Yeah, Detroit is in Michigan. Uh, they are in the same yeah, state. Yeah, there yes. we go. Anyways, Tyson Fury fight was like 2019. He's fought three times since then, I think, against, I just pulled it up here, Travis Kaufman, Dominic Brazil, and Kamil Swakalowski. No great. Absolutely no great. And I know, I know he was he was champing at the bit to step in, or even trying to get the Dillian White uh, fight, trying to honour his contract. He was wanting to step in for other fights. Um, it's just... He's just kind of languing a wee bit as well. I'm just trying to pull up the, the world rankings to see if he's kind of... He's one of the most well. avoided boxers in boxing at the time. I mean, he really is. Because um, uh, number... he fucked Fury up, and he could have gotten that TKO win in any number of other venues with any number of other refs. You have to wonder, though, right, because it's been like three years or four years, whatever it was, since the Fury fight, was that his, was that his apex? Was that him fighting up you know, on the night, fighting his absolute peak? 
you know, or is he just is, is that it for him now? I mean, it's like who needs him? If they look at if they yeah. look at the Fury fight and say, look, listen, nah, he's just too much hassle. That's a guy we could only fight with as a mandatory defense at some point. I mean, I'm just pulled up the WBC rankings. He's ranked tenth. You know, that guy's not gonna get a call anytime soon. This is not what happened. I don't know what happened with Fury at this point actually as well. If he's gonna retire or whatever, but you would think he would need to go with Uncle Al to try and get some some options. You know, maybe like a, a Frank Sanchez, Andy Ruiz. Maybe even a Wilder fight if he's going to come back and fight at some point. Who knows? Wilder's um, if, if Fury retires, Wilder's in line for that WBC shot. Yeah, imagine it against Frank Sanchez too as well. You just never know. That's a clever fight, actually. Yeah, but I, I'll say Wilder wins this fight next week. To be honest with you, Ryder Booker, I've not seen him for a wee while, but I think he's like journeyman status these like days. Isn't Forty-two. Oh, Wilder will definitely win. Yeah, yeah. I'll say he beats him in points. So I just um, I think Wilder's one of these guys. It's, it could be the occasion. The bigger the occasion, it might just rise to it. But I think if he's fighting at this level still after so many years, it might just be a, a, a matter of motivation for him, really. You know, maybe just a payday, go through the motions, get a win, move on to the next one. Rydell Booker started his professional boxing career when Bill Clinton was still in office. <laughs> wow, right? so he, was, he was getting smoked off Lewinsky at the time. Then, <laughs> yeah, think about that. Like, he is as old as that blowjob. He is as old as the semen on the blue dress. <laughs> His boxing career. <laughs> yeah, he's been going a while. Yeah, Wallin needs to make a statement and hopefully Salita can push him into a decent fight. Joe Burns has thrown in another 179. He says Chris Burns is on holiday uh, with James Helder. So uh, one, <laughs> Joe's thrown in the 179 on his behalf. Uh, Andy, I hate to do it to you with the heavyweights, but I did notice one for next week in Germany. You've got <laughs> Mahmoud Char himself Yo, going against I... Michael Vallish. Ali Demur is in against Kevin Kingpin Johnson. Victor Weikhorst is on there as well. And Christian Hammer. This is where all German heavyweights go to die, man. Are you going to be engaging in the, uh, indulging in the VPN? Um, I'm just going to pull up the card. Maybe, uh, just want to see who that should be. just be a prize fighter lineup. Am I wrong? I'll need to check, guys. I'll need to check to see if it is going to be. I dare say it will be online somewhere. But um, I mean, there's not there's there's jack alone domestically for us next week. Nothing. Okay, so okay. yeah, Steve. Guess what? I might I might just tune in for it. You might indulge, um, Andy. I might indulge, mate, because as I say there's nothing real. I'll need to go double. Check. I don't think there is anything on next. No, I, I don't see it. I don't see anything. Part of no. Davis, obviously, but yeah. if there's a link for it, if it's not like a, a you know a subscription website, I might I might tune into it. Uh, Victor Vikos is okay. Demerezian, oh. I've seen him before. I think he had his first L was it in America, I believe, against, against the Jagba. That's it, a Jagba. I'm and sure Tim Moxeo will have some link for you. Yeah, oh, he sure will yeah. exist. And Manny Char obviously getting fucked over by Don King for his belt as well, didn't he? Yeah, poor Manny. So, uh, aye, we'll wait and see what happens with him. But yeah, it's, um, at least it's some action at least to watch next week when you're patching the wife off, you know? So who knows? We'll probably tune in. But Kevin Johnson, Alan Demerezian. But I will say, Kevin Johnson, um, oh, when was it now? I'm going back maybe two years. He fought that. Remember that young Pablo Hernandez, mate? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was decent at cruiserweight. Well, safety pin came out there and just dropped the grenade and went to fucking war with Hernandez. <laughs> Finally, after up. all those years. <laughs> exactly, mate. I was like, where's this been for the last God knows how many years? Smashed him up in seven rounds, knocked him out. Probably one of the KO contenders for the club show, year, uh, club show of the year, actually, to be honest with you. But yeah, it was uh, interesting to see him. And he comes out the next fight and gets beat off Jagat Caballel. So he seems to be kind of going after that German cash just now, to be honest with you. Just a wee bit like... Um, and after he's done there, I'd imagine he ended up going to Latvia like Danny Williams did, trying to kind of chase up the, the, the last remaining shekels of his career, you know? 
Isn't Danny Williams still fighting in Latvia? Yeah, this no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure, by I don't know if it's been changed since, but I know I remember for the Hernandez fight. Uh, I'm sure Safety Pim was trained by a woman. I forget who it was, but I'm pretty sure that's that's correct. Hmm. Oh, good old Safety Pim still knocking on. Before the big fight uh, preview, Matty, we'll have a look at the Nutters League. Uh, you can come in with who got what points last week, but this is the uh, um, amalgamated Nutters League uh, run by Joe Kennedy, no less. Ted is there at the top. A uh, point ahead of Greg, a point ahead of, yeah, Wellings himself, Mr. Prediction King. Can't get a prediction right, they say, Matty. There he is at number three, John UK and John Ireland are having a fight for fourth place. You've got Andrew McCormick, Jim, Ben, Ant, Andy Patterson as well, Joe Kennedy himself, Ryan Deal, Mike Wigley, uh, Kevin, Joe, Justin Dull, Joe DeGoat, Declan Graffin, Danny Young, Rob Kelly there, uh, mid-table obscurity, Mo, C. Lamont, Matty DG himself, Holly. Is in there. She's doing well. Dan, Patrick, Craig, George, Gary Taylor, Damo and Chris. And then yeah. right down the bottom, we've got yeah. James Windsor, David, Dave Wilson, Benjamin, head of the uh, Asylum Technical Department, Owen, <laughs> Hattam, and MTK Enforcer himself, Ricky Graville. Yes. Can I just say something to Joe, by the way? Congratulations, Joe. You spelt my surname correctly. I've known like any of these twats who spell it the English way. Double T. <laughs> It's a Scottish way. It's one T. So well done, mate. Well done, Thank Joe. You. you fuckers don't even use Q's correctly. Don't you tell other people how to spell. You shot up, you. Colquhoun. <laughs> God love him for the fucking super chat. But how the hell is anyone to guess? It's just there. It's like, it's just fucking there for some reason. Like Gary Coleman in 90s sitcoms. Just like, huh, what do you know? A cameo by Gary Coleman. There's a Q. Um, anyways... This right now we're sitting uh Rob uh, moving out into the lead with 41 points. Steve right behind him at 39. Andy slipping away with zero points this last week at 35 and me rounding out the back of course at 32. Uh this is uh it's interesting between Rob and Steve right now, but uh Andy uh man I I tell you what uh you're uh you're you're not uh, you better be a late half runner here buddy yeah. you're starting to fade in the mid rounds. Craig Richards really let me do there last night mate. Um I'm sitting there waiting for me can I try and pull it out the bag late on. I'm like you bastard. Cuz I was wanting to try and catch up some points cuz obviously see what happens here now and all Rob needs to do really is, is match my predictions going forward and that's it. See me Steve for example. And also, I try to mix it up a wee bit, trying to get those points back a wee bit too soon. So maybe gambled a wee bit too quick. Um, but I'll come again. Jake can't. So what... whoever's top of the league then, Matty, should you have them pick last so as a vote to avoid people? Ooh, I like that. But Rob's not even on the call right now, Steve. I feel like you're, you're just dragging this out, <laughs> hoping that he gets here at some point in time before we go into the value of the weeks and everything. It's like, Jesus, fuck, Rob. Uh, but anyways, uh, that's a good idea. And if he shows up on time, we just might start doing that. But um, you're supposed to pick this week. Yeah. Uh, this... Tevin, you, go, you go fucking lucky with that Tevin, that Tevin Farmer fight the way you're getting pulled, mate. Did it, it, did it not even happen? It, it got no. pulled. And it wasn't the end of Africa. It was meant to happen in Dubai, apparently. Yeah, that's right. I heard that too. They changed it. To the... That's not great. Um... What about the Benavides over under, Matty? What happened with that, with the knockdowns and all? Yeah, well, that, everybody but Andy got a point. How? Because you picked over. Oh, you thought he would get knocked down over two and a half times, and he didn't. He got knocked down once, didn't he? Well, it was total knockdowns of the fight, even if Benavides got knocked down himself. So, um, oh, but, nonetheless, but nonetheless, Andy still lost. 
well. You're saying that. You're saying that with quite delightful voice. Uh, tone in your voice here, Matthew. <laughs> Andy, let me say, I could give a fuck if I win this thing because just knowing that I live rent free in you and Rob's head all fucking year long is it's all the joy in the world that could be provided. But Matt, there's no Matt, monetary you, value. You, you didn't want me living rent free in your head because okay, what happens? I'll just take a shit in there at some point and leave it and walk out. You're going to rage quit, Andy. Uh, uh, I'll do something. I'll, I'll, I'll drop something. You worry about it. You can't, you can't keep below doing something, mate. Uh, you, you thought he was pissed off after Pavetkin. Oh, man. Oh, oh, he's, not gonna, I, he's not going to acknowledge the league anymore. I'm not gonna. I'm not that bad. I'm not gonna be that bad. But as I say, I'll find something. I'll find something. Don't you worry about it. So, so, so this week our picks are gonna be uh, is gonna be uh, uh, Luis Ramos against Luke Santa Maria. That's a really interesting fight at 154 pounds. Uh, Santa Maria coming out of nowhere, getting a couple of good wins here recently, and then. Um, the I'm setting the over under of rounds for Javante Davis and Raleigh Ramiro at four and a half. So that's one minute and 30 seconds into the fifth round. Do you think it will go before or after that? You're a fucking wanker, man. Yeah, well, I and I couldn't find actually where the books are setting that line. Do. That's me winging it. I'll tell you what you should do. You should, you should actually make it there is Andy Larry fit against Gary Spike O'Sullivan. Does, does, Fuck does Spike, you. Does Spike get out the first round? That's no. what it should be. No. Oh, no, you no. know Laura's going to carry him 12, Andy, man. Oh, Go on, mate, we'll talk boy. about that now. Come on, what do you think about it? Watch, what? no, <laughs> fucking watch Laura be, just go age over fucking night and watch <laughs> Gary fucking Spike O'Sullivan somehow pick off a middleweight title. Right, watch it, it fucking that happen. No, that no. Take that no. pick. No. Right, so hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Are, we going, are you going for the Jesus Ramos... Luke Santa Maria one, Matthew, right? Yes. So Ramos yeah, is the guy who beat Vladimir Hernandez and beat Javier Molina, yeah? Yes. Yep. And he's going in against Santa Maria. Actually, he's had a couple of good wins, hasn't he, Santa Maria? Who he did beat Devin Alexander? Abel Ramos. But yep. that was Abel Ramos. That point, so he's doing yep. okay. Oh, is that, yeah, that's not actually a bad fight, you know. I think then, no. so if, Ram, if Ramos stops him, that'll be a reasonable statement then, Matthew. Yeah, absolutely. And this fight is at 154, and Santa Maria's been doing most of his work at 147, but he is lanky. Uh, He's a big guy at the weight, so um, interesting fight, real interesting fight. Um, I I lean towards Santa Maria pulling off three upsets in a row because I think Mm -hmm. the odds are going to be in Ramos's favor, Um, but... I just don't know yet. I'm, I'm, I, you know what? I'll, I'll play it down first. I'm going to go with Santa Maria by decision. I'll take Ramos um, by decision. Ramos by decision as well. I think Ramos is a, Ramos is going to be a star. I think he's a fighter on the way up. And Santa Maria is tough, and he's on a good run, Andy. But I think I agree with you. I think Ramos on points. Yeah, plus as well, I think um, as Matt says, Santa Maria has been kind of campaigning about as light welter, welterweight. Um, couple of good wins. Uh, he's got that Michael Fox on, on his record. That, that was under when I'd, I'd, I wouldn't really rate that, to be honest with you. That was under I'd been washed by that point. He'd been struggling with op- uh, opioid addiction as well at one point through painkillers for a broken nose for years. Um, it doesn't really, I don't think he hits that hard as well, I don't think. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say Ramos, who... Yeah, I'm going to say points. I'm just going to double guess myself and say a knockout, but I'll, I'll go for I'll go for the decision. You know, he hits hard enough, though, is the thing, and it's it's tough to say how hard he punches because look at his level of opposition, considering the number of fights that he had. You know, well, if you look at like Fox and Ramos, mm-hmm. probably better opposition uh, on his resume than maybe what 
uh, Ramos is maybe faced at this point. Who, who, is there any names that he's faced at this point? Who? Uh, Ramos. Well, he stopped uh, Javier Molina. Which was a good good win, wasn't it? Stopping Hernandez because he'd beaten Julian Williams before. I just noticed here that he actually beat that Javier Molina who actually got uh, beat against yeah, Robbie Davis. Yeah, Davis, week. that's right. Yeah, uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, points for me, I think. I don't think he'll stop Santa Maria. Uh, here, I'm going to have to give a shout out to Kieran McConnell, by the way, boy. He's long overdue. 52 euros he's thrown in here. So he's thrown in an extra two to cover the the tax best po- boxing podcast out there. He says <laughs> watching Babich last night and was wondering how low down the weights. Could you go and find a fighter that could beat Babich? In my opinion, Lomachenko beats him and Corporal Spence <laughs> knocks him out. I've never seen a slower fighter. You'd fancy Canelo and Bivol's chances against him, Andy, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. We just mate. found Canelo's path to the Bridgerweight championship. Was it, I'm, I'm trying to think how, I'm trying to think uh, I think Sonny Edwards would beat him actually just by jabbing and running around the ring. So that's me with the flyweight. Had hundred and twelve pounds. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'd quantify that and say if it's a twenty-two foot ring. Yeah, I will suppose. But I'd say aye, that guy chasing you on there would be would be mental. I don't know, mate. Um, Alim Canuli. Uh, you need to think of someone a wee bit more kind of like yeah, he did middleweights. David Benavidez definitely would beat him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You, I mean, you get down there. I mean, it would feel like a teenager getting chased by a White Walker on the fucking uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> but you would need to say though. I mean, it it, it does it does land some when it does land that it looks like it could, it could fucking really hurt you. And it's just well shots he's throwing. So you need to say if it was to land on some of these fucking smaller guys, he'd be wiped them out possibly. <laughs> Look who decided to show up. Well, fair, hey, a fair play to Kieran McConnell. At least he said best, best boxing podcast out there. Did you see the comment last week from Tosh uh, Bear Grills, whatever he calls himself? He said, uh, fucking brilliant show, lads. Still the second best podcast out there. And like a little captain emoji. <laughs> like the second best priest. <laughs> I think you would be the second best priest, Ted. <laughs> yeah, Who's, the, Who's the fucking first one? Is it fucking uh, Ross? The offer Ross? I'm in the multiverse somewhere and I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> With the second best podcast, Rob. The second best podcast. Okay, <laughs> man. Who's the first? Who's the first touch? We never knew, We never got that answer. Oh, okay, okay, imagine okay, it was yeah. Fight Disciples or something. Is the first? Oh, I know. Yeah, I'd have to ban him off the commenting page for that, Rob. Yeah. Well, he could be getting audited anyway. So. Hey, Rob, I had an idea I wanted to throw by you. Oh, fucking great. Here we go. An, an all-female <laughs> all rap group called the Poontang Clan. Yeah, well, I'd like to see it. All right. <laughs> Here, Rob. Did you growl at it, though? <laughs> take a look at it. Did, look at what it. did you take you a look at from over the weekend, Rob? Um, uh, Craig Richards, who once lost to Frank Bugliani on a Saturday night. Yeah, I watched uh, the fella who lost to Frank Buglioni on a Saturday night. On a Saturday night, lose to another lad on a Saturday night. Um, look, I, th- I have to fucking frame this right. Well, I don't really. I can say what I want to. Uh, I don't give a shit if it comes across as matchroom hate or not. It's not. I'll tell you that it's not. I was high on Buwatsi, as everybody was. And I said last week he kind of didn't have the dance partner to bring it out in him. Um, and he did have it last night, but it, I don't like... <laughs> have to laugh at Fontelroy Eddie even hate oh you pal uh, he's, out last, he's out last night man and he is selling us this rematch that we must see now between Buatzi and Craig Richards because that was such a close fight wasn't and it was such a great fight 
but it wasn't. But the reason that we want to see that he wants to push a rematch between Craig Richards and, and Joshua Boazzi on us is he knows based on that performance, if he goes up the levels and he fights Bivol or Baturbiev, he get fucking uh, smashed to bits. Baturbiev would ragdoll him, and I think Bivol would out-jab him. Richards was out-jabbing him at, at phases last night. Nothing against Boazzi. Lovely kid. Seems like a good guy. Um, decent fighter. Virgil Hunter and him. I just don't know. Like, if did Virgil Hunter just get, have a great fighter with Andre Ward that he helped develop and he hasn't been able to kind of get that across to any other fighters? Seems to me the other fighters that he works with haven't really ever, you know, there was a mess with the Angulo one. There was Amir Khan. There's Buatsi. Not that he wasn't giving him good instructions. I don't think, I think he was giving him good instructions, but I don't think Buatsi started a jab until around the fifth round. I think he blows, he was blowing through his arse after five. Um, thought he took a lot of breaks last night. I thought he was hit very easily, and just against you know the likes of Baturbiev, if they're the measuring the measuring stick or Joe Smith or one of those guys, just see him falling short, and I don't see him. And then unfortunately for Eddie, even in it, unfortunately for Eddie, he's not a star. He's not a draw. He's not going to be a star, and he's not going to be a draw. So, um, you know, I think he ordered a big um a big absolute roll of bubble wrap and cotton wool for Conor Ben because it's Conor Ben or Bus now <laughs> for the UK, isn't it? Like it's gotta be Conor Ben or Bus for, for the UK market, like because he hasn't got anybody else coming up and Buatzi's not gonna be it. Um it was a decent fight. I thought Richards had moments in the fight. He definitely didn't let him have it have it his own way for the whole fight. He's competitive in every round, even though he was lo- losing most of them. Not as many as Tony Bellio thought he was losing, but he was losing a few along the way. Um, and I just was a bit underwhelmed for a Saturday night. So, you know, Joshua Boazzi on a Saturday night, very underwhelming performance in what was supposed to be a kind of a, a breakout performance for him. Um, don't see him driving those subscription numbers for the zone through the roof with performances like that um, and fights like that. And, you know, it says a lot of fucking Alan Babbage is the, is the one that gives you the most action on your card um, on a Saturday night. Like, So I don't know. Like, I think... I don't know what you guys thought. Maybe maybe I've got it all wrong, but I just I didn't see anything special with Boazzi last night. I definitely wasn't fucking I definitely wouldn't fucking watch run to watch one of his next fights or, or be up, you know, kinda on As the edge of the seat about his future. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Based on his based on his kind of trajectory, you would have thought he'd fight a guy like that two years ago and be in the mix now for a world title. Eddie obviously obviously knows his fighters better than we do and he, he matches them. Uh, accordingly, a lot of the time, but Conor Ben's not going to be in a big fight anytime soon, is he? For every fucking uh, boots and this is name that they call out, you get a Chris Van Heerden. So that's not going to happen. Um, he can talk all he wants about who he has in the states. Canelo Alvarez, you didn't build Canelo Alvarez, dude. Canelo Alvarez was a tried and tested pay per view star from HBO back to Showtime, back to wherever. Um, Katie Taylor, he's banging on about Katie Taylor, global platform. Katie Taylor versus Serrano and Croke Pack. There's nothing to say that we can have fights in Ireland yet, right? So either Eddie knows something we don't know, which is quite possible, um, or he's just selling you a dream of an 80,000 stadium fight for Katie Taylor. By the way, you didn't build Katie Taylor either, dude, right? Peters did that, and so did fucking her, her Olympic career, and Marty Morrissey and the boys built Katie Taylor. That was nothing to do with you. You had two ready-made stars with Canelo and Katie, Katie Taylor, and as well as that, I think that was a big fight. Don't know if that's a massive draw anywhere outside of Ireland. So things looking grim for Dazone. Eddie's getting a bit rattled, even in it. Um, I see that he's calling Ellerby. It's funny he he kind of uses the same tactic, doesn't he? Anyone that anyone that gets under his skin when he's firing back at him. Um, oh, they're old and they're bitter and they've lost a the partner irrelevant. 
So Ellerby's old, he's irrelevant, he's lost the plot. But so is Frank Warren old and irrelevant and lost the plot. And so is Shelley Finkel old and irrelevant and lost the plot. And Ludabella was old and irrelevant and lost the plot. And everybody's old and irrelevant and lost the plot, bar fucking Eddie. Like, Eddie's the only one who hasn't lost the plot. Um, so he lost a lot of purse bids, but he hasn't lost the plot. So, you know... <laughs> <laughs> it was it was an underwhelming weekend for boxing. I guess Benavides and Lemieux, we learned absolutely fuck all from that fight. Like, and you know, people can be out now and say Benavides gives Canelo a fight, and yeah, maybe he probably does give Canelo a fight, but he that's a fight he is one hundred and fifty percent not getting. So there's no point talking about it. Him, him, and Plant need to fight each other. Both of them are on PBC. That seems to be the natural fight to make at sixty eight. There's a bit of a grudge match there. Benavides, you know, throws punches and bunches. I think he fucking. I see. I used to say before on the pod about fucking show me the fella who gets hit with fucking three left hooks without ducking. Well, there he was last night. David Lemieux <laughs> fucking hit him with seven fucking eight left hand shots in a row yeah, before he got his head out of the way. Benavides uh, is the new Josh Kelly. This is it. Shades of Josh Kelly there against David Lemieux. Uh, but not to not to worry. We have Andrew Sandy Lara versus fucking Spike O'Sullivan coming up, so that should fucking whet the appetite for the real for the real fight fans out there. But um, more importantly, how did I do in the prediction league? Where am I now? Am I still in the lead? Maddie? No, you don't have to give me the whole fucking rundown. Just tell me am I winning or not? You you, you sure are, Rob. You sure are. You're up on Steve by two points. Who? Yeah, Andy's out of the race, just, is he? Let's let's just check Joe Kennedy's uh, uh, league. Fuck Joe Kennedy's league. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20th there, Rob. 17 places behind Wellings in third place. Yeah, but you were in it from the start, though. That's not fair. I was only in it for fucking like two weeks ago. It's not fucking, it's a fake league. Yeah, but yeah, uh, look, we keep going. Anyway, sorry. Evening, guys. Hope everyone's well. Good Good old Dr. FMG there. I tell you what, Steve, the bucks are just rolling in. Yeah, the Dr. FMG. Actually, Andy has thrown in $14.99 Australian dollars. He's in the Patreon as well, so you shouldn't be throwing money in on the Super Chats. Dr. FMG, don't be doing that again. He's a doctor, you know. He did say say Virgil. (laughs) (laughs) He's the USA version of the dark fraud. Might not be be too far off there. When, um, when when I read that comment, actually, I don't know if anybody remembers uh, the old OTG podcast with Paddy Cronin and that. They actually took oh, a, yeah. s- s- uh, some some uh, voice clips for the corner work that Virtual Hunter was doing a few years back. I forget what fucking fight it was, but they actually says, "Compose yourself," because they call him the, the, you know, the uh, what was they call them again? The horse whisperer, because he kind of uh, like, talks right. quietly. And that he says, "Compose yourself, take a swallow." Behave yourself. Breathe, <laughs> breathe. I'm like, he always leans through the ropes, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, he, he doesn't seem to get in the ring. Go down low. Yeah, he's, he's got this weird way of talking to you. Esoteric instructions. He had a great one uh, for Ward and Kovalev when he was like, Leonard got up. Someone else got up. Robinson got up. You got up. That was it. That was it. <laughs> I don't remember that. That was probably the most intense he ever got in a fight. Yeah, yeah, that was about as as animated as he ever got. Sometimes it just shows you, sometimes it it can be the fighter that can make the trainer. It really can, isn't it? Fuck me, man. Andre Ward obviously was one of a kind. And I know they say that Ward was taught everything by Virgil Hunter, but I think deep down, Ward was a special talent that just, you know, he's just natural to him. I mean, I, I don't think he, I don't, I can't remember the last time he lost actually as, as an amateur even, but fuck me, he went, Years, years. He lost when he was fight. eleven or something. Was his last? Yeah, some twenty odd years or something like that. Well, but yeah, the last four years of his career with only one arm, basically, too. Yeah, he had that problem with his shoulder. I think he obviously had, he had hand problems with his hands and that as well. That's didn't right. He? Against Alexander Brand, he had a, some yeah. kind of. Sh- he'd come back from some kind of shoulder issue. That's right. 
one hand against Froch's will that he drove yep. into Carol Froch's face for the whole night. <laughs> Fucking amazing. Carol Froch here with a close fight. Do, do you know what I'll always remember most from that fight, though? There is some kid in the crowd. They probably sound like they're about twelve or thirteen, and they were just chanting "sob, sob" <laughs> all throughout the fight. It was fucking great. I'll tell you what, mate. Never watch Carol Fletch against Arthur Abraham with the sound on, because I've got his wife Rachel tuned up to the microphone. Come oh, on, geez. Carl. Come on, Carl. Come on. Like, constantly, every fucking second of the fight. She's like, lucky she's man. pretty. She's lucky she's pretty. I just <laughs> remember my override memory from that fight is uh, Frotch walking back to the dressing room telling somebody beside him, like, my hands don't even hurt. I couldn't fucking play a glove. I couldn't hit him. Like, fucking my hands don't hurt. I haven't fucking caught him at all for the whole night. And then said that he was unlucky to lose and a couple of weeks later when he regained his senses. Uh, uh, I remember that on the radio. That was a close fight. Close decision. Close decision. I never even gave him a round. It was a fucking 12 0 shot Fucking one hand beat down. Brilliant. Fucking brilliant. Right, let's get on to the action for next week. Then we have already touched upon the Javonta Davis Rolando. Speaking Romero of touched up. Fight. Yeah, speaking of people getting touched up, <laughs> Rolly's in the ring. He might, he Rolly's looking him. in great shape, by the way. I don't know if anyone's covered out. Have you seen him? Oh, he's but, smart. That's, what, that's the juice. He's definitely on the juice. For he's us. looking shredded, Rob. What, what do you think's going on there? Massive. Hard work and dedication. I think he had some, he made the best work, but he, he he put his uh, his demons to the side when he was uh, inactive that time, and he's just trained really hard and been really dedicated throughout that period of inactivity, and now he's reaping the, his body is reaping the rewards for that, Steve. That's what's happened there, definitely. <laughs> is it going to pay off on fight night then, Rob? That's the main question. I don't, do you know what? I don't know. Like, I, he's... he's He's super confident for a fella of his ability. Like from what I've seen of Raleigh Romero, from what I've seen him to this point, I don't think he stands Fucking a chance gosh, against Javante Tank Davis. And I think Tank is coming off a fight like against Cruz, late replacement, who just happened to be an absolute fucking hard hard bastard and a guy who will pr- prove major value for money down the line. So I think that's probably that's probably going to turn out to be an underrated win on Javante Davis's career when all said and done. Uh but I think he'll fly Romero's head into fucking Rose Ed. Like, well, I could be wrong. Like, well, I just can't see anything else apart from a Davis beatdown. Unless he totally gets it, unless Romero can totally get into his head and, like, take some shots from him early and then have some sex, success in the middle rounds and maybe make Davis second guess himself. There's a lot of talk that this is Davis's last fight with the money team, etc. He's going to be a free agent, yada, yada. You know, he could have one eye off the ball. There could be other offers made or whatever. All he has to do is beat Raleigh and. He's a free agent, free to negotiate bigger books for himself in the future. But I cannot see anything other than a, and a Tank Davis uh, win via brutal KO, probably into the last third of the fight. Jack, Jack WD says, Rolly punches like he's holding chopping bags. We've discussed this before, Andy, this fight, and I stick to it. I think Rolly is absolutely so confident. He is deluded enough to believe that he hits hard enough to beat Davis. And I genuinely think he'll come out banging. To his credit, I don't think he'll shell up, you know. I think he'll try and jab early. It'll end up in a firefight, and he'll just get stopped in the fifth round. That's my prediction. But I think he'll come out banging. He, he, well, he needs to, make because he's got a lot of shit to back up after all that talk he's done him anyway. And by the way, he should already have an L on his record after that Jackson Mourinho's fight, who he should have mm-hmm. given the guy a rematch. Pity Donnie wasn't, wasn't on the call, because his dad made sure he got that win like, uh, that night as well. Actually, but, his dad had that as close as, close as any... Yeah, he had the closest card of any of the judges. Yeah. Which is disgraceful, to be honest with you. I thought Mourinho's was a far more worthy winner. Um, look, I'd, there's some people actually throwing up the fact is that 
Davis has like struggled with like Isaac Cruz, for example, right? Who's like a wee a wee demon. Um, you could you could maybe say maybe Barrios gave him you know some troubles in that as well. And some people are saying like he struggled with Santa Cruz before he fucking iced him. But just, look, that's their opinions at the end of the day. I think the only thing that Romero's go- gone from possibly is his size and a bit of power. But I don't think his power is anywhere near what Davis is, to be honest with you. But then we've seen Davis struggle with like uh, Gamboa, for example. So I don't know if it's if it's I don't know if it's maybe motivation. I don't know if there's anything going on behind the scenes, for example. We, we, we know he's had these problems in the past. Um, another thing is, well, if he, anybody factoring the fact that if, if this fight does go the distance and it is somewhat kind of competitive and that he's meant to be leaving Floyd, I think Floyd maybe kind of puts a spanner, works it, try and get him fucked over and make sure he gets that L before he leaves him. I wouldn't mm. put it past him, to be honest with you. But, is Romero um, still with Floyd, Andy? Because he, uh, he signed with Floyd way early in his career, didn't he? Did he? I can't mind to be honest with you, mate. No, I'm pretty sure he did. He used to spar at the money gym and all, and then um, Mayweather signed him based on that. I don't, yeah. I don't think he's still with him, but he was. That was a smart investment from Floyd, that one, wasn't it? Uh, he's making smart investments in Dubai in a minute of shop, and he's fucking buying that. Fuck me. But um, I'm trying to think now. Obviously, you know, I remember Romero. Did they not get touched up off uh, Avery Sparrow? And um, I'm, I'm sure Mourinho's tagged him a good few times in that as well. I just think with the power and size, might have something about him, but I think the way he throws his shots, he's, he's technically he's no great. You know, he's defensively he's wide open. He likes to try and fight off that kind of like that Philly shelf if he take me time. Doesn't he look good doing it? Um I've seen some of his some of his bag work doesn't look great as well. Some of, some of his shadow boxing was kind of like weird looking and that as well. And I know that's just training work, but in the ring I think um Davis will get to him probably running about the latter half. Um Possibly a brutal uppercut, um, beat down of some sort. But at the same time, you wonder as well as <coughs> if Romero can hurt him. <coughs> can you see Davis maybe on the back foot, like he was a wee bit against Isaac Cruz a wee bit, who was giving him absolute hell, possibly. A Northern Monkeys throwing in 179. He says, here, your money-grabbing bastards. Thank you very much. He's also asked me to play the Ricky Gravel clip. Unfortunately, I had to delete a load of clips to make way for some new ones, so no reveal. I'll try and get a new Ricky Gravel clip for you soon. Maybe shagging a dead swan. Well, there's, there's plenty of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> okay, now. I think you need to stay. I'm sorry, I was coughing there against the... Yeah, sorry. go on. Um, I think he needs to be intelligent of some sort, Romero. He can't decide just to go in there and have a fucking firefight with Davis mm. because Davis will c- counter him with something and catch him. Um, yeah, I'm going to. Yeah, I'll stick with the knockout. I'll go for around about the eighth or the ninth. Um, I expect Romero to have some sort of success. I'm interested to see how the size and his power does does play up against against Davis, who's been you know smaller squatter. And obviously has his own power and that, but I think it's um. It's I mean, I tell you what, if if the fight happened when it was meant to happen, I was all over Davis, eh, baptizing this kid, fucking blessed him beyond belief. Mm-hmm. But considering what Rob was saying, and obviously Rob put the video up in the in the in the Nutters Messenger chat there last night, the fucking size of fucking Romero just now is absolutely incredible. He has got fucking pecs, abs, six pack. Biceps like fucking pythons, man. I'm kidding you. I kid you not. The guy is fucking jacked. So I don't know if there's any drug testing involved here, but I would put him under a dark light just to make sure he's not fucking glowing green because there's something fucking sniffy about that light. 
he's, he's, he's in good shape anyway, and he? he's like the fucking last action hero, man. You want to see him run the hero? Like? He's fucking bad. He is, isn't he? Jack, Steve, if you oh, yeah, there, it's, it's, it, when you look at him, I'm sure there's before and after pictures. Some of the get a life, whoever's going to do this on the internet, get a before and after picture of Raleigh Romero, but uh. I've never seen him looking like this before. Anyway, I tell you that I was like, "What the fuck, man!" It's like the, the transformation in like six to twelve months is incredible for his last fight. It's fu- honestly, it's in- when I saw it, I was like, "No fucking me!" The thing is, Rob, is that the picture I think you showed us was actually it was not directly after a workout, so maybe it is a wee bit swole after a workout, but no, but that size. <laughs> fucking hell, man! One hundred thirty-five pound. He's like a fucking brick shit house. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> Uh, Chase Athletic says, I think Rolly is stronger. He has to clinch and make it rough. The thing is, Matty, I think Rolly's definitely playing that up. He's been mentioning the fact that Javonta Davis is a weight bully. He says, I'm a lot taller than him with his little T-Rex arms. I'm going to put my hand on his head and keep him at bay, you know, the way an adult does to a child. So he obviously thinks that he's the bigger man, the stronger man, and he will try and jab at some point. And Andy mentioned success for Romero. I think Romero might hurt Davis. I have nothing to base that on other than a hunch, but it maybe not hurt him, but maybe like ruffle him up a bit, disorganize him. It's going to be an interesting dynamic compared to Cruz, who was actually somehow smaller than Davis going in against Romero, jacked up to the gills here, who's going to be a lot bigger. So there are interesting things at play in this fight, but I'll still go for Davis KO. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think you know we're obviously all going that direction. Um, but here's the thing about Romero. Um, I haven't watched a little bit more tape of him to, uh, today. Is that unrivaled guy has... work? Unrivaled work, from Maddie. Isn't that really on the public? It's unrivaled. The tape I'm, watches. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, um, he uh, Romero has real power. Okay, he has a couple of knocked his opponents out cold uh KOs on his resume not saying their highest level of opposition but you have to be a puncher to, to make those things happen at the same time though my right? consider how he throws shots with the power that he's got I'm surprised he hasn't broke a hand at some point in his career like the way he throws shots is just fucking wild he has a bonkers man. style with those elbows he throws and he shifts a lot though when he when he's throwing punches he does it he's he's not uh static at all uh, so he's moving around, and it's in his footwork is sloppy. His punching is sloppy, but he has real power, um, and uh, he has incredible self belief. Uh, but what I think is going to make this fight really fun. Is he likes to fight at about the same distance that Davis fights at. So if he doesn't try to really use his uh, his height and reach advantage, uh, there's going to be some banging exchanges in here. And I agree with Steve. I think that. Uh, that tank is getting hurt in this fight, but I also think that it's going to be uh, a firefight that's going to end pretty quickly. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I'm definitely thinking it's going to be ending uh, before the, uh, the middle of the fifth round, give or, uh, you know. Uh... Yeah. Steve. What about, what about the points and predictions then, Matty? Go, go into that now. Then, if Sorry, you... Steve, I have that wrapped up this week. I had a, sorry to jump in on you. Uh, you we're going to go. Um, if Raleigh, Hits the deck two point five times uh, inside the parlay <laughs> on the third. We got it. We got odds of three hundred to sixty four on that. So you know it's looking good on the bookies. <laughs> Minus three hundred and sixty four. You mean? <laughs> oh, sorry, no. plus three hundred on that. You plus three hundred on that one. No, no, Rob. I'll tell you what it is. It's really simple. And uh, you said you already caught you saying you thought last third of the fight. So uh, you have plenty of gap. Over. I'm the over. The, the over. Set, yep. Over under at four and a half rounds. Andy said last half the fight, so I did that for him. But Steve said, "How can the you say over? How can you say over under a four and a half? The over is over six rounds, isn't it? 
No, they the they, over. Set, they set them all different, and that's but four and a half. Five and a half. No, it didn't. I said four and a half. It's going to be seven and a half, surely. I I'm setting this motherfucking line because there is no line available that I looked up. <laughs> All right, so and so you a very me, a very autocratic fucking person you are, are my. Are you? But you guys are taking the overs, right? Over four and a half over rounds. Yeah, I, I yeah. think it'll be in All five right. or six. I think yeah. Okay, so four and a half rounds is a minute and a half into the fifth round, Steve. Okay, I'll go over then. All right, I'm the only one going under. Hey. Right. Because you what know, it's. The guy, the fights that you guys are basing Romero on are taller fighters too. What's given him a lot of trouble has been taller fighters, and I get that that should work, you know, like opposite of the way I'm thinking. But I think the exchanges it's going to lead to are going to be brutal, and it's going to be fast, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be just, a, it's going to be more competitive than Lemieux Benavidez. But you're talking <laughs> the same amount of, you're talking within a couple of rounds of that, really. <laughs> more competitive than Camille Benavides. Well, that's the benchmark of a competitive fight, anyway. What about, um, what about Rob's pick for the other one? What was the yeah. other one again, Martin? Yeah, who are you taking between uh, Jesus Ramos and uh, Luke Santa Maria, Rob? Fuck off, fam, will you? Um, Santa Claus is coming to town. It's going to be Santa Maria's night, that night, for your decision. <laughs> that's what I took. <laughs> <laughs> you sure you want to stick with that? <laughs> Uh, yeah, why not? Need a bit right. of drama in the, the leagues have gone boring now. What the fuck's sake? Need a bit of excitement. <laughs> oh, I love this so much. Right, have you got all the info you need, Matty? Yeah, we're, we're good, Steve. We're good. Right, let's get on to Belly of the Week, then episode 475, and we'll finish up for the evening. We won't do two hours, but uh, we'll we'll try our best here. Andy's still with us, so is Matty, so is Rob, along with me, Steve, uh, setting us up for this Belly of the Week this week. It's the man himself, the heavyweight champion of the world. Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury, говнище бедняга. Еле-еле передвигается. Здорово, Тик. Тачку не садит. They wanted to go rejected, man. Look how many wanted in that taxi. Look like fucking ten of them wanted in that car. He put me on the boot. He's uh, he's he's got a resume of fighting taxi drivers to rival AJ. Now you didn't know Charles Martin is driving the taxi, by the way. New bar. Oh, good old Tyson enjoying himself on holiday. Why not, I say, Andy, why not? What about this one then, Sky Sports Boxing? Fraser Clark, I want to be the next Johnny Nelson. Another person <laughs> who clearly has never seen Johnny Nelson fight. Well, Dream it, believe wants... it, said Sky Sports. Yeah, Dream Fraser it, sounds Clark, about right. Fraser Clark wants to cure insomnia by the sounds of it, man. Fuck me. That's a statement I thought I'd never read, Steve. I want to be the next Johnny Nelson. Does he mean like as a Sky oh. Pundit? Because yeah. he's on the right track by the sounds of it. <laughs> <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe he wants to become a company man, I don't know. Oh, oh fucking hell, the next Johnny Nelson man. What are you dreaming nights like this, Steve? The historical revisionism <laughs> of Nelson's career is just off the scales, man. I mean, he was a decent fighter, like, don't get me wrong, but some of them fights, we sat through them, them WBO title defences against Marco Heinichin and who else was he? Vincenzo Petitori and oh. Glenmore Jones fight me uh, where he just he refused to engage 
Yeah. I forget, was it that fight or was it his first world title De fight? De Leon as well, wasn't oh, it? Oh, no, it wasn't. It was Carlos De Leon. That's the one made. Yeah. That was the worst yeah. world title fight I had seen up to that. <laughs> it was fucking horrific. Rudiger Mai in Germany on ITV4. I've, I've seen Mass Graves fucking looking better than that fight, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it was awful. Charlie <sighs> dancing. Well, you never know. If Johnny comes back, he might be trained by this guy. Boxer size Ben, they've fished out his old Twitter account. Personal training deals available. Contact me. Target Fitness. He's turned the performance centre into the Ben Davison performance centre. And don't worry, guys, we've got a third one coming up. He's at the British Hair Clinic. The British Hair Clinic said, we've recommended professional boxing coach Ben Davidson a course of PRP treatment. Ben has recently been concerned about a thinning crown area. Spencer Oliver liked the tweet. It explains why he's been fucking using chip pine grease to get that hair slicked back, eh? But see, I tell you, it's the picture tells a thousand words. No wonder your man has rubber gloves on fucking going through his hair. Fucking hell. <laughs> I, I don't know why these people think they're above doing a comb over like Edward James almost and stand and deliver. Ken something. I, did, I didn't want to hear anybody slag off anybody else about how they look. If you've got to go and get fucking hair plugs, Botox or any of that shit or a facelift to make yourself look presentable for some fucking reason, that shows you how unoriginal that you are. So I'd rather be fucking bald. I'd rather be how I fucking look around look like that fucking twat. You look like you, you look like you had leukemia since you were fifteen. That's because I didn't get much sun up here. That's why you got fucking pay tax on that shit. But as I'm saying, <laughs> at least at least I'm fully original, right? I just take it as it comes. That cunt can. He's got to use fucking Botox, hair plugs to look presentable. That tells you a man who's insecure about himself. Me, well then, I'm let's hope in the future secure. he looks presentable. <laughs> I for the court appearance. Cast <laughs> <laughs> it back. Oh, the crown jury, Mr. Ben Davidson. Uh, here we are. Leave him alone. Oh, Tony trying, doing his best to try and oh. stay off TV. How did they find him? How did they find him in that fucking riot was going on on, 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 the, on the pitch? How did they find him? He just wanted to get safe to home to his wife and kids. Not off punching back to the air. Suddenly, saw him run across the field to attack. Poor fucking whatever his name was, and then fucking dragged them off off the field. Tony, we need to, oh, sorry, Anthony, we need to speak to you. We need to speak to you. I almost laughed. I almost cried. Oh my god, man! Looks like him. Good old Tony. He's got a double nomination. Uh, the reply is B has dropped one in on Tony. Bellew was calling Canelo a drug cheat and demanding he'd be banned from the sport for life a couple of years ago. Now he rims into high heaven because he works for DAZN, yet has the nerve to call people fickle. <laughs> <laughs> call him, B, call him. <laughs> oh, just chucking his scorecard there for last night on that ball, actually. Yeah. What a fucking it's outrage. A double, it's going to be a doubles and treble. Set out this middle. Treble left hook from fucking Anthony Bellew there, Josh Kelly style. Seven zip he had fucking. Seven zip he had I see up after seven fucking hell. Well, I think it was eight zip actually. It's funny you should mention that. Jesus. Gerard said Bell, you himself should be right up there for giving Buatzi the first eight rounds. Richards might have well have stayed at home. Fight's still going, we'll see. I have Buatzi up, but I'm not scoring officially. Thankfully, Andy, neither was Tone. <laughs> yeah. Anthony should have stayed at home last night, to be honest with you. But that's what he does, though, isn't it? He's just uh, he's always bigging up the uh, bigging up the house fighter these days. Then he's Johnny Nelson bit but say that he's doing it for the zone rather than Sky. Tell you what, mates, he was eight rounds up on my card, mates. Aye, <laughs> fuck aye. <laughs> he's having a great time. Is the bomber? I think it's all, mate. We have the full oh. professionals. So we we're, we're all in the. We don't know. What do we know? Exactly. We know fuck all, mate. Do we know about as much as the fat lad himself? 
<laughs> Frank Smith. Matt Troon would have been the best place for Ben Whitaker. Frank Smith on Sky Boxer sign him. I actually agree with this, Rob. Why would you want to fight on Sky when you could be on the DAZN app? I think Frank's why talking he, a bit of sense. Why is Frankie Smith more than Ben Davison here, by the way? <laughs> Because zone are a global platform, Steve. They're a global platform and they're showing Katie Taylor versus Serrano or Crow Pack and Canelo versus Triple G3. So I'll get a life for you for saying that. <laughs> About the zone. I have um, no fights for you. They will if Eddie keeps doing the matchmaking. Literally no fights for you, by the way. Absolutely none. I mean, look at this, man. It says it all when. Eddie, evening to you, Edward, is fucking saying we might bring Bivol to the UK for fucking Joshua Boatze, man. I mean, that is the that is the, the depths that he's at just now to try and get fucking fights made for the UK public for his wee shitty app. Because Bean, Uncle Adam, is doing pretty well, you know, and praise be to Ben Shalom, good looking guy that he is. You know? Great young guy, I think. Yeah. All our nice kids. There he is. Look at him, look at him there. Eddie could have pulled that look off, man. Let's see Leonard oh. Ellerby likes Ben Shalom, don't he? <laughs> Adam Smith does. Adam Smith likes his, because he's like my younger brother. In fact, he could even be my son. <laughs> <laughs> Did you all see Sam Watson's fantastic tie last night on the PVC broadcast? No, but he's a funny fucker, actually. I was listening to an old interview he did with uh, Charlo last week at the, some party that he did. I think it was Charlo's birthday as well after the fight. He's, he's quite a cool guy, actually, by the sounds of him. Oh, he's a nice guy, Sam. He's a nice guy. Much like Dave Allen himself. No Aussie this week to celebrate this one. Looking like a fat as a pig Michelin, man. Fucking hell, man. That's <laughs> it. He's fucking... Buzz. Is it the flip-flops, is that? I don't know. You need to get that weeding done as well, man. That's a disgraceful background. Get the weeding sorted out. Fucking hell, man. I, I had to move closer to the computer. I thought that was an image of a 13-year-old Khabib wrestling a bear again. <laughs> <laughs> Not a okay. not a poster, but a bear wrestling. I'd say Dave Allen. <laughs> you know, Isaac Lowe got nominated by quite a few people. He sent out a message loud and clear to the rest of the division. I moved down to Super Bampton. Next, fight him, Frank Warren. Romanian Gypsy again. Get English Gypsy. <laughs> Super Bampton. What the fuck? What, only, a th- only a thesaurus can know what he's talking about, by the way, isn't it? Does that mean he's going to fight Carl Frampton? I don't understand. Super Bampton. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why I don't understand what he's saying? Is he speaking Romani? I don't know what he's talking, to be honest, but it's funny. He's a good lad, he's Isaac. He's still fucking reeling for that knockout that he goes. I think so, yeah. He thought he'd be spelling right now. Nick Nick Ball, that's his name. Nick Ball, it was. uh... (laughs) Carissa the Groat Shield said, Haha, Savannah Marshall blocked me on Instagram. Rent free, motherfucker, rent free. Savannah said, Why would I block you? I love nothing more than watching you bounce about in clothing that's cutting you in half and daft wigs doing TikToks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, snap. Wow. Shots fired. That's the sharpest counter Savannah Marshall has ever thrown. Oh dear me! Rob, hey Rob, what was the name of the things that you said? I was like, oh fuck! I made a drop the ball out there. You mentioned her the fucking uh, the rolls in her hair. What was it called? Baby rolls? What did you call them? Baby hair, baby hair. See, baby hair. The baby hair. I was like, what the? F- I was. I wasn't aware of that. Baby hair curls. Yeah, you don't. You're, you're not up with the fucking. You can need to get yourself on TikTok, Andy. <laughs> Mate, yeah, I'm trying to keep my daughter off that thing. I didn't want to go on to that fucking TikTok. No, it's a dead of iniquity, dude. Yeah, exactly. Fight for the brain. Danny Young's turning a fiver here. Danny Young, he said, £5 for Dave Allen's next kebab. 
<laughs> you might want to you might want to throw another fucking sword charge on that one, Danny. Uh, exactly. <laughs> if she's not got by that, <laughs> double kebab. Now, bef- before inflation, you would have been able to get a kebab and chips. It's rough shit. Oh yeah. I'd be Times are changing. Times are changing uh, for the Ebbs herself. What on earth? Here she is, pictured with another lovely long lady. But we're going to focus in on this gentleman over onto the right hand side, Romeo L Jenkins, who threw in a message. He said, "I would love to get to know you and support you in any way possible. And if you could know, you could give me a call or a text. My name is Romeo, and I mean it'll be good to support a young lady like yourself, get to know you, maybe be in your corner. I mean, you'll be amazed. I don't know how about that things I do for lady sports, perseverance, ambition, blah blah blah. But he takes it up a level here in the second message. He said, "All is missing." is a nice romantic cruise to Italy with dinner with orchestra, soft soothing music and dinner with wine, caviar, steak, escargot, a nice relaxing soothing bath, bubble bath, dip in the ocean, relaxing nice full body massage, the works. I'm your guy. Romeo. <laughs> Romeo, Romeo, Romeo. 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 Fucking Christ. Talk about thirsty, eh? Fucking hell, man. That's, that's picturing, that's, that's setting it quite the scene, isn't it? You can fucking picture there on the gondolas. With fucking ebony, two two fucking bottles of Pinot in her fucking <laughs> Nessun Dorma right. playing in the background, and her just going, "You see the phoenix, man? I got a Ferrari, really? Right. I got a Ferrari." Right. Frankly, I, I think half that's going to be halfway through the meal. She asked if Legion United actually beat the relegation. <laughs> I, I, I kind of feel like that's going to end with Ebbs jumping overboard and just swimming for it. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 or somehow absolute... she's ending up overboard either way. Here's, here's, one thing to, here's one thing to kill the mood, Andy, for Ebbs and Romeo. This yes, fella turns up. Yes, 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 yes. I said to Rob, actually, I said, I bet you any money. I don't know what this young guy's name is. What was his name Dusty. again? Dusty. Dusty. I bet you Dusty is actually his dad's name. And his dad told him, listen, son, be my wingman. Go in there and get that fucking name. And your name's Dusty just for two minutes, son. Just do me, do me this solid, okay? Go in. I'm like, you dirty old pervert. That's what it's going to be, man, isn't it? Look in the background there, man. Look at the shocking attitude towards fire safety. <laughs> Covering up the fire hose access <laughs> with the sign there. That's uh, the point you're doing. It says, uh, it says something really like... corny, like, be you, be yourself, mate. Be real. Be you, be, a, be real. Fuck off, man, will you? I got the Phoenix. You know what the Phoenix stands for? It's for art, mate. I got the Phoenix for art. Good old Ebbs. Uh, next one here, Vicky Gavil nominated the WBA. They are set to give each of their top Super 6 lightweight contenders 15 minutes to tell them why they should fight for the vacant WBA world title. <laughs> Alberto Pueyo, who is the mandatory, has to fight alongside Barroso, Davis, Martin Progre and Akmadov to make their case. <laughs> I think that's a pretty solid one, to be fair. Like, I mean, imagine that. Like, it's like going for a, a fucking interview, eh? Tell me your strong your strong points and what's your weaknesses to deserve this fight? Well, you know, I'm a Harry Davis. I, I got smashed up off George Taylor. My two noses couldn't breathe. So, you know, I deserve another chance. Ismail Barroso, I got smashed up off Anthony Crawler. I look like death on the scales. But yeah, I deserve another chance. Which is progress. I've no fought for many years. I fight trash in the last two years. But yeah, I deserve, I deserve another chance. Sandor Martin, eh, did he know beat Mikey Garcia? I think yeah. that's what making Garcia. So keep to him. He's got the fucking top winning. My 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 fifteen minutes would go like this. Uh yeah. I have pictures of you getting a hand job from a lady boy in a Panama City bar two years ago. <laughs> Well, what, what about the likes of Akmadov? Their case could probably be, well, I did nearly beat Barrios and you said you would install me as the mandatory. Or Puello could say, well, you actually did install me as the mandatory. So there's yep. a case for you. Yep. I've actually 
fucking... I they should create another belt. This is what they do. Create another belt. Shocking. Fifteen minute title. Look. Go at that. Almost as shocking as Ed firing yes. back at Ellaby. I'm a hundred yes. times bigger than you. What are you? Nothing. Ellaby says his whole mantra: "I'm going to take over boxing in America." Completely backfired. If he were for the sport and was responsible for building a team and give a billion-dollar budget and it completely failed his ass, so if he's a general manager, he would have been fired. Ooh. He's got a different kind of privilege, though. 100% Len going in. Absolutely love it. Fucking love it. Then as a kid, there's nothing, there's nothing Hearn won't lie about, actually, isn't there? There's nothing. Absolutely zero. And Ellerby's got, like, what, he's had, like, I don't, I don't know what his actual role is, but he's he's basically either front and centre or working behind the scenes in the past. But I'm sure he's been involved in the, probably the four or the five biggest pay-per-views in history of boxing, right? What's Eddie done? Fuck off. He's doing his Even best, Andy. He's doing his best, best, mate, aye. No fights for him, though. He's done he a decent job losing some weight. Got to give the guy some credit there. He's lost a few pounds. Well, I think, I think, I think Ellaby runs Floyd's company, doesn't he? I think he's mm-hmm. the CEO, isn't he? I CEO, so there you go. CEO and mother and maybe promotions. As I said, the Pacquiao fight is the biggest paper. I'm sure is it still is? Biggest pay per view fight in history, I think. Mm-hmm. Speaks volumes. Yeah. Rob Speaks finds volumes. this Rob finds this all very appalling. And Rob's disappeared off. Mean me, Rob wants to get back on his own ASAP so he can see Jaime Mungia against Jimmy Kilrain Kelly. <laughs> oh, fucking Honestly. Kelly, who did he beat now? He had that kind of upset one. Who was it against? Kanat Islam, wasn't he? Ah, Kanat Islam, that's right. Jaime Mangia, you know, he beat Spike O'Sullivan in his last fight, I think. Or was it two fights back? That's yeah, in his last boy. fight he beat Rosado, I think, didn't he? Mangia? A fucking golden boy, man. I was reading something as well last week that the zone have actually re-upped Golden Boy's contract. And I actually mentioned, yeah, um, the headliners of, of his stable is um, Jaime Mangia. Um, who was the other one? Virgil Ortiz. Who's no fucking fighting, and I forget the third person at this point. But yeah, it's just it's just it's, that's trash. That's fucking awful. That fight. All over the place. Michaela Mayer says, "I got a flat tire last night, and a man pulled over to help me fix it. I took him to dinner to say thank you, and he told me his story. He just got out of jail, and someone had got got rid of his dog. He went to the Humane Society together, and this morning got him and his companion back together. Oh, isn't that nice, Matty? What a, an amazing virtue signal wrapped up in the lie." Yeah, it, it, it is. It, I, maybe, or maybe she did a really, really nice thing. It'd be right if she's like really, really nice and really, really attractive. What a rare combination! I'd like to think this is true, Steve, because I'd like to think in the better uh, of humanity. She can take me down. I can't wait for the end of it where he comes back and kills her. <laughs> <laughs> At least we all know it'll be true. <laughs> Chris Primetime Colbert going on Jamel Herring. You need to stick to your military service instead of boxing. Tags in Jamel Herring as well. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. You think um, he's, he's got some nerve? a low profile after his exactly. last fight. <laughs> exactly. He's got some fucking nerve, hasn't he? Little fucker. He's oh, Herring made, made the most of his career. That, that, that bum fucking can't even properly make weight. Uh, at least Jamel Herring tried to win his fight, you little pussy backfoot bitch. There we go, Rob. Going in. I thought that was Dillian White's ring walk. Chris Lloyd, man. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Chris Lloyd. Smith and Buatti are somewhere clear of the field now. No Fuck off. Can I say yeah. that? I'm, 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 I'm glad that Chris Lloyd's got me blocked on Twitter so I didn't need to read his pish, man. Really, that arm. 
Fuck he has me blocked as well, but you can manage to just about cut them, can't you? If they're like in the the quote or something like that, I think. No, I don't think you can actually. Bonus, you know, maybe uh, maybe he's blocked me, but not the asylum. Maybe that's what it possible. is. Possible. I've got to ask the guys to send me screenshots if, oh, if, right, if right, I see right, his right. link come up here. I don't even know who he is. <laughs> I can't fucking cut deck. Pick him out of a lineup. For, uh, for what he says. He's a league commentator for the zone for time to time, is he not? Mm. Oh, mm. that guy. Yeah. Rob, this this is the guy who's who told us. Fighters don't pull out of fights because he'd done a lot of tape work for the last week. What was his name, Steve? Who was the fucking fighter? Uh, it was the Boatsy when he was supposed to fight Vlasov, wasn't it? Is that what it was? Aye, Boatsy yeah. when they pulled out of that fight because I'd done all my research. So Wouldn't waste like... my time like that. No. no. Fucking twat. Here's one for you, Rob. Spencer Fearon getting into the metaverse. Metavisionaries. <laughs> Can you imagine him fucking selling that shit, man? Can you imagine him getting a flight to America anytime soon? I can't. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Edwards. Did you see him? <laughs> I'd be hesitant to get involved in that business venture for a moment if I was you. <laughs> your sound's kind of crackly. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, I think it's your mic or something, Rob. I know my, my connection's not the best, so maybe it's me. No, I think uh, it's be, Rob. It sounds like Morse code. Could be the meta, could be the metaverse fucking trying to infiltrate me. Um, no, I was saying I'd be, I'd be cautious about getting involved in that business venture at the moment myself. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> Right, um, okay, so, uh, do we think we have another one? The Nutter League? No, we've gone through the Nutter League, Sonny Edwards, you look at that one, mate, no? I haven't got Sonny Edwards. Um, somebody sent me this one, by the way. The WBC is, I don't know if this is a, a spoof or not. The WBC is proud to be an LGBTQ plus ally and support the World Gay Boxing Championships. I don't know whether that's from a legitimate website source or not. But... <laughs> WBC website, but looks at mate. Somebody sent it in for value of the week. I don't know whether we're allowed to announce that or not, but there you go, it's up anyway. I don't know if I'd watch it on a Saturday night now, but is, I that a is, is that a slapping contest? <laughs> I'm not sure what's going I on. have a feeling the event will be fabulous. Maybe we should leave the boys where they are. Uh, right, yeah, and I've got Sonny Edwards up for this one, Andy, but if you have any to throw in, then feel free, go ahead. Yeah, so Sonny Edwards was, I get an interview, I need to sit and watch it again, but there was a couple of clips, I think it was Ranger Rollins had actually clipped it and put it out there. I think he'd been asked a question about flying to America for a fight, and he says, Sonny, he does this kind of mad thing with his fingers, he says, um, I don't think I'll be going to America anytime soon. So I don't know if that's like a tacit, tacit like admission that he's he's actually on the ban list. Um, which I'm still waiting for that 600 <laughs> names to get, to, to get released just for the banter and that. But yeah, I thought that was quite funny. Um, Eddie for saying that, look, I'm 100 times bigger than Leonard Ellerbe. What are you? You're nothing. This just goes back to the ego. You know, like Eddie sees himself as some sort of kind of franchise, shall we say, that he's like some sort of personality in, in the boxing. He's a fucking promoter. His job is to get fights made, promote the events, shut the fuck up. And just speak when all the fights happen. But as I say, he's just full of fucking shit, man. The worst um, is the fanboys in the comments for Hearns. They're all like on, on the IFL video, like, yeah, Eddie's got him on strings, got Ellerby on strings. He's living in his head. No, Ellerby's telling the truth. That was true what Ellerby said. Everything he said was true. Like, Yep. Um, probably just one more for me, mate. It was the um, Mauricio Suleiman was calling out the WBA for not honouring their sanction and body agreement. I think it's something to do with the Josh Taylor situation getting stripped of his belt. Suleiman was kind of like moaning that WBA had violated the sanction body agreement because the WBC mandatory challenger, Jose Cepeda, was next in line to fight Josh Taylor. So, as I say, we'd be behind the scenes, but 
who mm. gives a fuck about the bodies at the end of the day? Um, so yeah, that's it for me, mate. But I'm kind of sliding towards um, who was I'm trying to remember who that vote was for again, actually. Now come back to me. Okay, uh, Matty, any from you, please? Any nominations, Matty? Oh, yeah, I uh, yeah, I have Al Bernstein, who during the Yoelvis Gomez Jorge Cota fight said. Gomez is ranked number fifth. Um, then I got uh, uh, referee Tony Zino in the Luis Nunez Jonathan Fierro fight, who at the end of the tenth uh, round, uh, when the fighters uh, came together after to celebrate a good fight, pulled them apart and said, "It's not over yet." The referee, unaware fully of how many rounds that the fight was going to be contested over. And uh, finally, I would like to nominate another referee, Manuel Oliver Palomo, for his absolute shit performance in the uh, in the Kerman Leiraga fight. Uh, just absolute bias, missing the knockdown call, just pathetic performance, uh, horrible officiating. Um, so those are my three. Brilliant stuff, Rob. Any from you, please? No, nothing apart from Eddie's response to Leonard Enderby, really. Right, let's go over them very quickly then, including the ones the boys just threw in there. Uh, Fraser Clark's anyone to be the next Johnny Nelson. We've got uh, Bill Oh, well, then. I, there, there was, had one more. Uh, got uh, one of the Liams. I'm sorry uh, got my device away from me. Uh, nominated his friends at the pub for saying that they thought that Mike Tyson is the greatest heavyweight from the 90s onwards. So the okay, boys well, from the pub get a nomination. No, a nomination for the boys from the pub. We'll have to get them a... A trophy each if they end up winning, but they'll have oh, tough competition. I had one, sorry, I had one uh, for AJ, AJ Matchroom Boxing. They've done a tweet, haven't they? And they said, announcements soon come. <laughs> <laughs> really teasing the life out of this announcement. Had <laughs> I'd, I'd heard that that fight's getting pushed back to the autumn, but we're waiting to see. I mean, that's some rough shit when they're having to hire Isaac Lowe to do their fucking social media. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the bomber dragged out of uh, retirement last night. We've got Frank Smith. We've got uh, Fat as a Pig, Dave Allen. Uh, Isaac himself on social media duty there. We've got Savannah Marshall. We've got Ebbs and all, all of her many fans. We've got uh, the WBA, Eddie again. We've got Golden Boy for making that shit fight. Michaela Mayer for a little speech. Chris Primetime Colbert. Chris Lloyd. Uh, Spencer Fearon out in Meta Visionaries, Meta Universe, and the WBC Gay Championships, and Tyson Fury as well for wandering around wherever he was drunk. Who are you going for, Matty? Episode 475. I think I got to go for Fat as a Pig there. Oh, uh, Dave Allen? Yeah. Well, he's not been active lately in the ring, but at least he's working out in the back garden. So, uh, nomination from you for Dave, it is? Yeah, yeah, there you go. He, he's my pick. I don't know, like, the size of him, but he's fucking, one ring will be active, and it'll be his fucking farter. <laughs> you go for that, Andy, you I'm, go for... I'm going for a WBA interview, 15 minute interview. I think that's fucking tremendous fucking <laughs> bullshit, man. Honestly, can't, I, see if that was me, I'd have, been, I'd have done my video full bullet naked, standing there in the middle of the camera, just says, Give me my fucking shot, or was I going to show you my dick? That's what we'll fucking do. Yeah, I could imagine you that you wouldn't get... interview well. You just see Gilberto then doing his, doing his hand like a snake and going, You've charmed me. You've got, <laughs> you've got the title shot. <laughs> right, Andy's going for the WBA. Matty is going for Dave Allen. Rob, who are you going for? Um, 
Dave Allen, man, fucking Dave. Dave hasn't had a W for hasn't had a, a W for a while, has he? Like, we might as well get this one. And I know Ozzy would have fucking gone into full meltdown mode if he had been here. So, in I'm going to take Ozzy's vote, and give it to Dave Allen. And for what it's worth, I was going to go for Bill Keen Ben with his uh, thinning crown area, but unfortunately, it's not enough to get the Belly of the Week this week. That has been won by Dave Allen himself, the White Rhino. You are the Belly of the Week for episode four seven five. Congratulations, Mister Allen. A quick shout out to our super chatters before we finish up to the evening. We had Joe Burns throwing in twice, Kieran McConnell with a bumper throwing, the Dr. FMG as well, and Northern Monkey. And thanks to Danny Young for throwing in a fiver right at the end. We've enjoyed it. The chat have enjoyed it. The panel have been great. We've had rapping Rob Kelly on as normal. We've had Matty DJ Leonardo and Andy Patterson. Matty will be in the hot seat next week, episode 476. Don't forget to like, subscribe, do all of those beautiful things. I've been Steve Wellings. We love you all. We'll see you all again, same time, same place, next week. And bye. We'll never forget. Yeah, I think that's good about me. Go to Adam We want to be honest, yeah. Crying like a little bitch. I'm not a mate, I fuck you, so I ain't gonna fight me. I fell asleep. I fell asleep. You're a fucking bum, you're a fucking asshole. Rumpo fucking stealth skin. But allegedly, Oscar Rivas has has, has failed has failed a test. Seven urine. Seven urine. I don't fucking smash. Fuck you. I hope you fucking die. Be safe. I love boxing sounds. As simple as that. Sports Social Podcast Network.